Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jack. Austin Lane. He's a former Jag star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anna Jaren Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Hey, welcome in on a Thursday. Brent Martino, Austin Lane, Coos is here, and uh, Halloween has not arrived. Not just yet. Uh, you'll see once the video feed hits. Uh, oh, it's already going. I cannot sit across from you the whole time, man. Uh, yeah, we got a little Minshew mania, a little, man. A little Minshew mania. Absolutely. I had to uh, get my costume ready to go. Yeah, this kind of feels good, actually. I'm not going to lie. Uh, my, my jean shorts a little too short for my liking. I got a little looks leaving the apartment complex, but that's okay. But I, I took this super seriously, Brent. Like, it's not just a you know, it's not just a brand. It's kind of a lifestyle. So today I went to the YMCA. I did some Zercher squats. Really, uh, <laughs> you know, really distinguished my legs and everything like that to wear these jean shorts today. So overall, I'm happy with uh, how my look turned out. Well, I got a new Dream 18 shirt that we're Looks going good. to give away uh, for our golf tournament. Looks good. Um, and I just cut the sleeves off. And yeah. by the way, had a little help downstairs in the sports department. Olivia Tassley, she helped out. Right on. Now, I, I bought a bandana, yeah, a red one, but okay. she made the bandana out of my sleeves. Oh, okay. So by the way, nice Nike, Nike sign right Nike, there. Nike, where are you? Nike, right here. We have cameras all over the yeah, place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nike, check it out. Wait, so are you Am saying... On, is it the right way, by no, the way? No, you're, you're absolutely okay, correct. Good. Are you saying that that's a Nike shirt that you chopped up? For it the is. G-18? Dang. Yeah. Nike's not taking part Listen, in the G-18. Listen, man, I went all in. I guess you did. I meant you made it. I guess you did. Showing off the guns. I respect it, man. Got a golfer's tan a little bit. I respect well, it. I haven't played much golf, so yeah. it's, uh, it's okay. Yeah. But, um... We're in full costume. We are in full costume. The and place I, has Minshew Mania. People are excited yeah. about Minshew. That's a, I mean, if it's the one thing you're looking forward to on Sunday is how will this guy play? Will he do it again? Yeah, absolutely. And listen, I I did my research. I did my due diligence. It's almost like face-off, right, when they're researching uh, who they're going to take over for. I mean, I was researching Gardner Minshew, and I noticed that when he wears jean shorts, he prefers to wear the white T-shirt because I was going to a sleeveless shirt like you. But unfortunately, that's not what he does, Brent. So I was uh, trying to get in character here. I, I've got to talk to Gardner a little bit because... Because I don't know where the hell he got these other outfits from. I tried to look it up. Like, I was going to go. I got the chain and everything. Yeah. Like, I was going to go button down and sure. that goofy or, goofy thing that he had on yeah, at the, the Senior Bowl the or, Washington, or the bowl game. The Washington State suit. And I don't know where he got it. Because yeah. well, I, I, how, I how can't you in college it. and can swing that? I don't you know? know. I don't know. But, I, I mean, I was going. I was showing chest hair and everything today <laughs> with a chain. And yeah. then I decided I had to. Cut back to this look. Uh, you're all good, man. You're all good. By the way, you have like cut off stuff. Like, why do you oh, yeah. wear a regular T-shirt? What did I just say, man? I said when I was when yeah, I did my research on Gardner yeah. Minshew, because you know I am a method actor, Brent. I'm like Daniel Day Lewis, and when I get into character, I make sure I do it right. And every picture that I've seen Gardner Minshew rocking uh, jean shorts, he's wearing a white T-shirt. So there you go. There you go. You got it right. Then, yeah. uh, by the way, you this is nothing for you. Oh, this is, all, this, this is, by is the a, way, this is a Saturday for you, me. Come on. You man. know, the more and more I thought about this, Kuz, I was like, I think Minshew and Lane could hang around together. That's a good point. Like, you guys would have been buddies in the locker room if you point. were still playing or he was playing when you played. It's a damn good point, Brent. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to d- deny those allegations whatsoever. I feel like we, we're kind of cut from the same cloth a little bit. Um, I think we're both comfortable in, in our own skin, as yeah. I was driving here and walking into the building with people kind of staring at me a little bit with my ridiculously short jean shorts. But, hey, it's all good, man. Like I said, it's not just a look. It's a lifestyle, and I'm, I'm living it right well, now. for me, I'm not comfortable in my own skin yeah. like this. Okay, <laughs> this is not me. 
love with them. I'm going to actually sit here like this the whole time and try to flex or something. I'm not going to lie. If I saw you like this in public, I think you're robbing a bank or something. Like, just saying. (laughs) I did just go to Wawa, but I made sure I changed after the fact. Fair enough. Um, I'm not mad at you. And, you know, this is like a style. He likes the style. He's into his own thing. He does his own thing. Yeah. Um, and you can appreciate that. You respect that. And and like I was saying about you, this is nothing compared to what you did that one night after that award show. Well, and I didn't what get the I memo. Did, first of all, you, you sent the memo. I sent the and, memo. And you I said didn't know you had to dress real, up for the I didn't Met know Gala. you were really going to do it. When, when Brett what Martin, was that? What was that? It thing? was the Met Gala, man. The Met Gala. And, and when yeah. you say, hey, let's dress up for the Met Gala, and I say, okay, I'm going to follow through on it. And I did. The greatest thing didn't. about the Met Gala Day is yeah. we had like BSN Sports was in here, oh, and they had uh, uh, gosh, I forget his name right now, but uh, great guy, great inspirational <laughs> yeah. story who was visiting well, and yeah. talking to kids, and it's and, a feel good story. And and so we're taking pictures yeah. with him, and you were in your Met Gala suit, and I'm dressed like the biggest a hole ever, dude. And I'm trying to like be serious for this guy who's like sharing his heart and everything. Yeah, that was one of the awkward days of my All right. career. Well, listen, uh, it, okay, we're being a little goofy today on the Minshew stuff, but it is for real. Do you kind of sense it, man? Yes. I mean. What a wild phenomenon this guy is. And and I was reading more on him today and I'm trying now you what you try to do is you try to find more stuff mm-hmm. and more, what can you get and and wh- where's a little bit more deeper research and background and and all this stuff and uh, I think you see stuff things popping up left and right maybe a little note here a little nugget here and uh I I go back to what I said yesterday. Yeah, he's an interesting cat. He's a fun guy, fun-loving guy, good guy, mm-hmm. uh very down to earth and he is comfortable in his own skin. But when you talk to people down at Jags headquarters, he's a quarterback, yeah. and he's got the quarterback traits. You know, this isn't a quarterback trait thing. No, no. Uh, you know, like when Blake Bortles was here, Blake Bortles did a lot of things that didn't really scream out quarterback, you know, but he was fun. Mm-hmm. You know, it was cool. But they kind of forgot that CEO part mm-hmm. at the same time, like once he punched his code. And, and again, I don't want to misrepresent that. It's just like it's not like he was bad inside the building or anything like that. He just was who he was. And he was more Blake Bortles than he was Peyton Manning in, in terms of that CEO type of quarterback, that guy in the building. Yeah. And uh, not from play on the field. I'm just saying the way he held himself. He was mm-hmm. more just, hey, regular dude, cool dude guy than, than a, say, a Peyton Manning-esque kind of quarterback that we know at the quarterback position sits. Minshew is kind of a crossbreed. Minshew's his own dude, and he does this kind of stuff, and he wears this, and he's comfortable at it. Yeah. But I do get the sense, like, in those walls, he is CEO kind of guy. He's not just, like, all quipping jokes and, and all this. No. Stuff. I mean, he's so, dead serious about his craft. He studies hard. He knows the playbook. And, and and he has that cross of cool dude, CEO guy. That's a tough cross to, so, to get. Exactly. So, you know, we've been hearing a lot about the comparisons between Blake Bortles and, Gar- and Gardner Minshew, you know, and Kuz tried to bring it well, up. Well, Kuz brought it up a little bit, but I mean, listen, it kind of goes warranted a little bit. I mean, barstool sports seems to be infatuated with both kind of guys, yeah, right? Yeah. And you know, both guys kind of seem like that laid back type of person. But the difference is, listen, I understand Gardner Minshew's rocking the mustache, he's got the headband and everything, rocking the jean shorts. Sometimes I'm not mad at him for that, and he's kind of got like this cool personality uh, when he comes across in interviews and stuff like that. But when the helmet goes on, when the shoulder pads go on, and he's rocking the Jaguars jersey, well, all of a sudden now the mustache goes away, right? Now all the stuff that we know him for, where he's diving in the ocean with giant grouper fish or whatever, that stuff goes away. Yeah. And, and all we have to go off of is what we see on the field. And I'm not trying to knock Blake Bortles here, but you never really got the sense that Blake Bortles was an ultimate leader, 
right? You, you got the sense that Blake Bortles was along for the ride, but I think he was the last guy on the team to try to grab somebody by the helmet and say, hey, we got to go right now. Yeah, that's a good point. And follow behind me. Yeah. I feel like with Gardner Minshew, you get that. And that's all that matters. You know, I mean, the, the, the mustache and everything's fun. And, and you know, all, all the hype is everything's fun. But when I go on, like when I watch the the games, Brent, and even in the preseason, I see a guy that's not scared to get hit, and I see a guy that wants to be a leader. Yeah, and I think that's that's not an easy thing to pull off. Those two things. No, especially as a rookie. You kidding me? Well, early as yeah. a rookie, you're right. Yeah. Now, now listen, I think we have to caution, and we said this a lot yesterday. The book is very much unwritten on Gardner Minshew mm-hmm. in the NFL. He had a superb performance. You will hear from John D. Filippo, the offense coordinator. I asked him today. I said, how? How hard is what he did? You know, that I mean, I, I don't think everybody knows that. They just say, hey, he came in here 22 or 25, maybe he's the next whoever guy. I don't care if he is the next whoever guy. What he did on Sunday to go 22 or 25, feel calm, feel confident, be accurate, all those things, is a rookie sixth-round pick that a lot of people didn't even want on their roster. Yeah, I think you cannot say that enough. Now, the flip side of it, where does it go? You and I both have said, although we're having fun with the uh, the Minshew mania, mm-hmm. we both said earlier in the week, and I'm not sure this has changed my mind. I need a little bit more evidence. Reality can set in in a hurry in the NFL. Reality is he's a six-round pick. Reality is he has not great arm strength. Reality is he's a little on the shorter side for a QB. Reality can set in in a hurry in the NFL. So I think this is awesome. I think this is a lot of fun. I think ride the wave as long as you can. That was an awful loss on Sunday, yet we turn around three, four days later, we can have fun with the Jags playing football again on Sunday. Mm -hmm. I think it's great. I just think we have to get more evidence. And I hope this wave can continue and the Minshew mania can continue. And, oh, boy, if he does it again, if he goes to Houston and beats the Texans and he does it pretty much with the help of him mm-hmm. and, and throwing to his receivers and leading this offense to 27 points or 30 points, well, this could get real fun in a hurry. And what we have to talk about, too, a little bit here is the offense of John Filippo. You know, with John Filippo, it's almost like Groundhog Day for him, right? Because if you go back to Philly, when they had a, a star quarterback in Carson Wentz who's supposed to lead him to the promised land, well, Carson Wentz goes down. And now enter Nick Foles. Now, Nick Foles wasn't a rookie quarterback at the time. Um, you know, he had some credentials when he was playing for Chip Kelly's offense. I think he had a Pro Bowl year that year, really tore up the league. But that was more, I think, of Chip Kelly's offense than anything. But you have a guy in Nick Foles who I don't think anybody really gave a shot to. And John Filippo orchestrated that offense around him. And we heard Nick Foles say that about John Filippo when he came here. He's like, the great thing about Coach Flip is the fact that he caters the offense to what you're really good at. Mm-hmm. And you kind of get that sense a little bit. And granted, you know, Gardner Mentry's a rookie. So how much of a rapport, uh, you know, the, the, the OC and the rookie quarterback have together, time will tell. But I'm just saying from an offensive coordinator standpoint, I think you have the right guy at the position right now that can cater to Gardner Minshew's strengths and then not really expose some of his weaknesses. We're more Minshew. Minshew mania. We're not dressed like this for 10 minutes. Oh, no. We're dressed like this for three hours. For the rest of my life, Brent. It's a lifestyle, I told you. <laughs> it's a lifestyle change. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle change for you. I'm going on TV tonight, Dude, okay? I, I was, this is not a lifestyle I change thinking, for me. So like, it took me 10 minutes to get a fight? text, by the way. What the hell are you wearing? Dude, <laughs> in my next fight, I could seriously see myself rocking a pair of jean shorts. Now, we've got to sew the pockets together because you can't have open pockets. You're not allowed to have open pockets. No, because you get, oh, yeah, you get that finger caught. But I'm just saying, You're man. You're jean shorts in the in the jean shorts, it'd be better than the, those English tights that I was yeah, wearing for was, my last fight. That was almost a, wall, uh, a wardrobe malfunction b- by b- you. Bikini style. I know. That was ridiculous. As long as you can get sponsors on the shorts, man. Now we're talking. We're rocking it. A little ESPN 6.9 coming at you. Hey, more Minshew mania, but John Wash talked today, said some things, including live tackling today at practice. How much of a problem do the Jags have, or is it a one-off deal? 
More Todd Wash, more Gardner Minshew, more Jags, a little fantasy football. Ryan O'Halloran later on. I don't know what he looks like, but he probably doesn't look like this. It's all next and more on ESPN 690 here on a Thursday. Thanks for hanging. Anytime Leach tweets about you, that's pretty cool. You know, because he, he lives for that. Um, but, yeah, just seeing, you know, all the former coaches and players, guys that I've been around, um, you know, who've seen kind of everything, uh, kind of the road to this point, um, you know, the guys that have done it with me, uh, getting those messages from them has been super cool. You got to fit your Gardner Minshew's phone blew up on Sunday night into Monday. Uh, Mike Leach, yeah. the head coach of Washington State, who coached him last year in college, uh, was on with us yesterday on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and said he texted him. And, you know, it was interesting, Leach, who was a very fun guy uh, and very um, kind of laid back dude, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, similar to Mitch, who even acknowledged in that interview with us and said, yeah, we got along pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're two very, they're guys that are comfortable in their own skin. Yeah. But he said he wasn't surprised by this. Really wasn't shocked, you know, like the rest of everybody. Yeah. And obviously, if your coach believes in you and your coach knows who you are, and some of those things aren't going to surprise, but still think it's worth mentioning. And we'll hear from Coach Filippo a little bit later, the offense coordinator of the Jags, just how difficult to do what Gardner Minshew, Minshew did uh, is in mm-hmm. the NFL, especially at this level coming in, and especially as a rookie, and not one that's really heralded. you got to remember that part. You know, if Dwayne Haskins goes into the Washington game, People wouldn't be as surprised if he goes 22 or 25. They'd be like, whoa, wow, look at this guy. But they wouldn't be surprised. When you were a six-round pick, you know, when Dak Prescott did what he did, you know, when Russell Wilson did what he did, those are the guys we keep bringing up. Of course. People are surprised initially because, well, you didn't really have that expectation. If you did, it would have been a first-round pick and a top-five pick. And, again, I'm I'm saying stop the car a little bit on that. I'm not trying to get Gardner Minshew to there. I'm just isolating the one performance mm-hmm. and the starting performance and we'll see where it goes from here okay i'm not trying to get carried away and compare gardner Minshew to dak prescott and and especially russell wilson but i do think there's a there's just a different expectation when you're picking the sixth round uh for a guy coming off the bench in the situation he came off in the opener 10 minutes into the season than there is well, for maybe one of those guys and i think we're talking about you know <laughs> i'm gonna say this again brent and i probably average i don't know Right around 30 times a, t- a pop now, 30 times a week saying this. But if you look at Dak Prescott's situation, if you look at Russell Wilson's situation, what do they have in common? They were able to run the ball, and what were they able to do? Stop the run. They had good defense as well. Yeah, yeah. And I think if you have that, you have an opportunity. You have a chance. And I think if you look at this Jaguars defense, uh, who underachieved against Kansas City, and you look at Leonard Fournette, who seems to have turned over a new leaf, who seemed to take it upon himself to grow as a football player, to grow as professional, I think you have a chance then in winning ball games. You know what's super refreshing around here? What's that? Been around here a long time now. I mean, a relatively long time, a dozen years or so covering the Jags. And first of all, it's the first time I've ever done this. Uh, and secondly, worth it. I, worth the wait. I don't think we have too many times in the last 12 years that we have talked about an offense that we're excited about. Mm-hmm. You know, we're even with the quarterback that you spent $88 million and and you're talking about them like, I can't wait to see them again. Now, again, uh, levels of excitement. I'm not sure they're going to go out there and win six games in a row with Gardner Minshew at the helm. It would be better probably to have Foles from a football standpoint, right? We all agree with that. I mean, the guy's 30 years old. You paid him $88 million. There's a reason you did that. They'd be better off with Foles. But it's the other stuff that you just meant. It's Fournette. It's Chark. It's Conley. And then there's a flip side to it. The reason why we're a little bit more 
maybe excited or looking forward to the offense playing is we're a little bit scared and want to pull this bandana over our eyes and wonder what the hell that defense might look like on Sunday after what they just did on Sunday, and they're a little bit banged up. Here's the good news. Calais Campbell comes back to practice. Todd Walsh said, I was over there today, he said Calais Campbell and Yannick Ngakwe with the hamstring, and he, and he, he did something to that hamstring on Sunday against the Chiefs. He expects to have those guys on Sunday. So that's a really good sign, even though uh, Ngakwe continues to to miss practice. Mm-hmm. So we'll see where he's at. I don't know if that's a definite. Doug Marone didn't say that, but Todd Walsh said he expects. That was the quoted word, expects, to have them on Sunday. Marcel Darius, I don't think I'll see him on Sunday. That thing is obviously more uh, serious than, than anybody. Are you surprised that we on. haven't heard more about Marcel Darius? So like, what's going on exactly? Or is it just that's kind of Doug Marone's M.O. where you don't really reveal too much? Yeah, I saw him today, and he had a brace of some kind. It wasn't like a it wasn't like a sling, but it was yeah. something that was wrapping that elbow. So something's bothering him there way more than anybody, I think, anticipated a few weeks ago. And I mean, they are quiet in the preseason on injuries, so sure. they don't have to say a lot. So maybe that's a little bit of it. But uh, I, if you had asked me three weeks ago, I'd been a little surprised if you said two weeks into the season, we haven't seen Marcel Darius on the football field yet because mm-hmm. of that elbow. I didn't anticipate that being this much of a problem. Um, and maybe I just didn't ask enough questions about it. But uh he looks like he'll be out again, so they'll have to live with what they got. They should have Calais Campbell, obviously yeah. Josh Allen, the rookie, and they hopefully will have a 100% or close to 100% Yannick Ngakwe. Hamstring's not an injury you really talk about a lot with the trench guys, but Cedric Abwehi has one, and now uh, Yannick Ngakwe has one. Sure. Kind of an odd injury for a trench guy, isn't it? I mean, being a trench guy myself, I had a couple of those you hamstring did, huh? injuries. Yeah, yeah. I'm I mean, trying that... to think back. Like, I don't remember a lot of those. Yeah. Um, well, I can see more, I think, on the off- uh, I'm sorry, on the defensive side the ball because you think about it brent i mean it's all about the get off right it's, it's all about the uh you know like that cheetah stance where you get off the ball as fast as you can well when you're doing that it uses a lot of hamstrings and i'm not trying to make up excuses saying it was a hot game this past sunday but that might have something well to do with it too it was it was a hot game. i mean it was a hot game but i'm saying i'm not sure if that has a correlation to more of like the hamstring and quad injuries uh things of that nature but they're more common than you would think actually especially on the defensive side of the ball now the, the offensive side of the ball I guess it depends kind of what happens. You yeah. know, like if, it, if you get rolled back on somebody, that could be a possibility. But I think just, you know, getting your stance and step in a couple, uh, you know, inches wouldn't really have an effect on your hamstring. Well, if you're running, I mean, you do sprints yeah. or something like that, maybe you hurt it. You twitch, there you go. Uh, whatever. But, uh, okay, let's talk more about the defense, man. Todd Wash took full accountability. He said it was interesting what he said, and we'll hear a little bit of Todd Wash later on. Mm-hmm. But he said he tried to get too cute. He said some of the calls were too cute. He tried to mm. do too many things to disguise maybe and too many things of that out of their the, the character of what they do as a defense. And mm-hmm. some of those things really blew up in his face because there were mistakes made on it because they don't used to doing it. Uh, so he took accountability. Uh, you know, that doesn't mean you have to stop hammering him or criticizing him. He's no. taking a lot of heat yeah. this week and, and probably rightfully so. He even admitted that to a degree today. But. Does that surprise you a little bit that they tried almost too many wrinkles, tried to maybe outsmart themselves against Kansas City? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I came into the week saying that if you wanted to be Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, you had to confuse them. And there's a a fine line between confusion and getting too cute. You can confuse an opponent, but you can still kind of do like the same things you've always been doing. Um, You don't have to go with all these exotic things if you don't want to. But I think when you have a a young team, especially you know at center field, when you have the safeties you're talking about, they're fairly young, um, a little bit of inexperienced. You have a pretty I don't want to say young linebacking core, but Quincy Williams is a rookie. Uh, Miles Jack has been around for a little bit, but when you have a, a rookie in Quincy Williams and then you have a defensive line who's dominant, see, 
we keep hearing that Jalen Ramsey and Boye are the best tandem in the NFL. And when I hear that, that tells me you should play a little more man or at least play a little more press. And then you can go off of that. Because if you do that, that shows that you have faith in your team. You're not telling them, listen, we have to go run a cover four now. Let's go do a cover one. No, no, just say, you take him, you take him. I have confidence in you guys. And listen, confidence goes hand in hand. I mean, if you're a player, you have to earn the trust of your coach, right? And if you're the coach, you have to trust your players as well to do the right job. But I think throwing it up to a lot of exotic things maybe when they weren't ready, and that's something you can kind of get a feel for the week if you're the defensive coordinator. Like, listen, we're running these plays, but uh, I'm not liking what I'm seeing. Well, that's when you change the script a little bit. And I, I get it. You know, if, if you're going through a walkthrough or if you're going through, like, the Kansas City Chiefs looks during the week, it's not going to be the game tempo, right? Like, I don't care what the scout team was bringing to the table. It's not going to be what the Chiefs yeah, yeah. are bringing to the well, table. So, there. Like in Todd Wash's mind, they have a 4 by one or a relay team. Yeah. That's what he said. I mean, yeah. he's probably not too far off, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. I even look at Shady McCoy, LaShawn McCoy's comments about that offense. He's yeah. like, this is unbelievable. So, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's, it's under my opinion where, yeah, you definitely want to confuse uh, the offense that you're going against, but at the same time, let your players make the plays and have confidence in them because guess what? From all what we're told, they're great players. Well, and not only that, it's what this principle of this scheme is. Like it or not, if you don't like it, that's fine. You can critique the scheme. But this scheme that has been pretty prevalent now in the NFL over the last six years in Seattle made it really popular. The idea of it is to be simple, play fast, mm-hmm. and not outsmart and outthink. And now the criticism is not enough disguise. We've talked about it. You mm-hmm. even called for maybe a bit more disguise. And we even wondered and talked a lot about it. Okay, with Josh Allen, now you can do a lot of different things. But my question yesterday and earlier this week was, can you do a lot of different things if you don't have all your parts? And that's Marcel Darius, who has isn't in there. Yeah. And you don't have a lot of trust in Taven Bryan right now. So can you do all those different things? So I, I don't know which one it is, but this has been a top five defense the last two years. It was an elite defense a couple of years ago. I don't know if I'd get too far away from that. I understand the league catches up. And people can figure things out. So a wrinkle here and a wrinkle there. But I think what Todd Wash was basically saying today is I got to be careful to outsmart myself. I mean, there's a base of this defense that has been very effective in the NFL and effective here in Jacksonville for a while with these kind of players. You've got to be a little bit careful to outsmart yourself. And uh, maybe they caught it in time, although I do think we'll still see wrinkles. They might need all their players back to do the wrinkles they practiced for the last few months. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the last thing you want to do is implement something new or like a like a different kind of look. And then you also have to teach the guys that are playing maybe like a, a new position how to do that. You know, for instance, Josh Allen playing that big end spot. We'll see what happens. That I was think, not the idea but, a month ago. But to, <laughs> Yeah, but to be fair, though, and listen, we, we didn't see a lot of Kansas City with a tight end on the line. You know, so I think maybe Wash may have underestimated a little bit where – he wasn't expecting to see so much spread. Now, yes, the, the, this is a spread-first NFL, but I can't even remember if I even saw Travis Kelsey line up as a true tight end. I feel like he was always split out or some kind of in motion, things like that. So from that perspective, you know, when you – because you have to still implement your base defense, which they did. We saw it all training camp. I mean, we may not even saw the base defense this past Sunday because they couldn't use it because everybody was spread out. So I think it was a matter of maybe they underestimated what Reed was trying to do as well. Now you're going to have a Houston Texans team that's going to look a little more what you're accustomed to seeing. You know, they're, they're not afraid to spread things out a little bit, but they have a true tight end. They like to run the ball a little bit. And from that perspective, I think that's where the defense can kind of rebound and kind of gather their bearings because they're going to see what they've seen a lot more during training. 
training camp. If you were in that locker room and playing on this defense, which is a talented defense, has a lot of swagger to it, sometimes maybe too much swagger to it. Never too much swagger, Brent. Well, if you start throwing punches, it might have a little too uh, much swagger. Uh, well, that's not really swag. Between swag and uh, discipline. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, there we go. But if you're watching that tape this week and you're in the practice field, how locked in are you? How worried are you that, oh, no. Maybe we've lost our fastball a little bit. Maybe we don't have as many. Maybe we lost Tayshawn Gibson and Telvin Smith, and that's too much. Are there any of those things that enter your mind as a football player as you watched that, as you played on that field Sunday, yeah. as you watch the tape Monday, and you get back to work looking at Houston? Listen, it's going to stick with you a little bit. You know, I mean, every NFL coach is going to tell you the same thing. Or every defensive coordinator is going to tell you the same thing. Play next play. We're on to Houston now. I, I get that. But at the same time, I think you're dealing with that defense that is super prideful. You know, that takes great pride in what they're doing. And let's be honest, uh, they got embarrassed by a Kansas City offense. So that's going to linger with them. Now, you, you could either take two choices here. You can either blame the guys maybe in the back end and say, listen, you guys cost us the game. The communication wasn't there. Or you guys can work together and say, yeah, all right, we, we had one bad game. We're playing a Houston Texans offensive line that is very vulnerable. Uh, defensive linemen, we're going to do our jobs. If you guys do your jobs in secondary, we'll, we'll get 10 sacks and you know call some fumbles and we'll be all good. So um, I think it helps going into this week knowing that Houston's not going to bring to the table what Kansas City brought, and that's going to build your confidence up a little bit. It's Minshew Mania Day here on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. We got it. Do you have it too? Come on back and join us for more Minshew talk, and I want to specifically ask you, are we getting a little crazy if I even say, should we get excited about some of these offensive players? Are you excited about DJ Chark and where this could go? Chris Conley. Mm. They haven't even unleashed a guy like Marquise Lee as he continues to get back. And D.D. Westbrook, although he had a touchdown, had a quiet day. Yeah. Is that too sunshine and rainbows? to get excited about some of their parts on offense. Let's talk about it next on ESPN 690. Of course, you're more than welcome to jump in on the conversation, either on social media or star star 690 is the phone number to jump in. When you play somebody in the AFC South, it's it's a big game. You know, our goal is obviously to win the AFC South every year. So this is the start of that. Obviously, we know we didn't play well. You know, obviously, Mr. Obvious, right? It's a situation I think you can see a level of focus, but we had it last week, too. For me to stand up here and say I'd seen that coming, I'd, I'd be crazy. Um, we, we just didn't play well. It, you know, once again, it comes back to me to get them ready. But they're ready to play. It's going to be a big game. They're very talented on offense, obviously, with Hop and, and Watson and their two backs. The way they ran on Monday night was very, very impressive. So it's going to be a good challenge once again for us defensively. Well, that's Todd Walsh, Jaguars defensive coordinator, and at least for this weekend, a battle defensive coordinator because that was not a good performance uh, on Sunday against Kansas City. Brent Martineau along with Austin Lane. We don't normally look like this if you're watching the video feeds, but this is Minshew Mania Day. Yeah. Halloween comes early. Well, this is Minshew Mania Day, and this is me on the weekends. You know, so, I was, yes. like I said, I think it's fair to point out that this is not far out of character. For Austin. Felt pretty comfortable, not going to lie. I mean, you guys are going to be hanging out sooner or later. The only thing I'm worried about, Gardner. I'll, I'll be truthful, I was hesitant to wear the white t-shirt because I brought lasagna for lunch today, and oh, yeah. I can spill, splash yeah. problem there. But, but you know what, Brent? Even if I, if I did splash in my shirt on, on this brand new white tall tee, if I splashed on it, I'm comfortable with who I am, and then I'm not going to be ashamed of it. Did you go to, like, Lululemon for that? The shirt? Yeah. Uh, this is Old Navy. <laughs> There you go. Shorts. Hey, hey Brent, shorts, Old Navy. Oh, that's right. See, so yeah. you get cool stuff like that at the Old Navy, Banana Republics of the world. So uh, you see, it's, it's, they're distant cousins. The family, Brent, they're, they're distant, distant cousins. All Let's not put Old Navy compared to Banana Republic, please. Uh. My people don't hang out with you people. <laughs>
Hey, 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 take that hey, for how you want to hey, take it. By the way, if I had said that, that would not have been greeted very well. <laughs> We'd be off the air right now. Uh, you people. Yeah. Let's get back. Uh, I want to get to the offense and the, and the receivers. Yeah. But somebody did ask about discipline uh, a minute ago, and I think he actually wanted to talk about it yesterday. We might not have got to it. So a little bit more on discipline and the penalties. Like, whose fault is it? Whose fault do you believe it is? Is it coaching or is it just players out of control? Um, and I guess is there somewhere – I don't want you to sit on the fence on this necessarily, but yeah. I'm sure at some point it's easy to say, well, yeah, it's a little bit of coaching and probably not enough repercussion or whatever it might be if they do it. But how much really? If, if you had to put a percentage, which one would be more over the 50% line? Would it be on coaches or would it be on players? So I'm going to speak in very big generalizations here because penalties can come in all shapes and sizes, right? Some penalties can come from being fatigued. Some penalties can come from being too aggressive. But overall, if we're going to blame the coaching staff on the penalties, I would probably say 70, I'm going to say 60% falls on, on the coaching staff and 40% falls on the players. That much for yeah. the coaching staff. Yeah, because at the end of the day, and listen, once again, this is really big generalizations. There's a lot of penalties out there. Yeah. But penalties come in the shapes of technique and form, usually. Pass interference, um, illegal hands to the face, all those kind of penalties, those come from your technique. Well, practice is when you have to sharpen up your technique a little bit. And if a coach isn't, especially a position coach, if they aren't harping on you, for instance, Joe Collin, another Joe Collin story real quick. So in my rookie year, I had problems with my first step. And literally what that meant was is when I took my first step, you know, when I'm getting ready to play the run, I stepped like an inch outside as opposed to stepping straight ahead. Joe drove Joe Cullen crazy. I had to literally set to practice every single day and take a hundred steps just over and over and over again. Just small mundane steps until I got that in my mind that listen, I can't fall step. Well it'd be like the same thing for, you know, playing the pass if someone's going out on a go route, how to handle that guy. It'd be the same thing for, you know, if if you're pass setting, where to put your hands and things like that. Because I think sometimes when guys get fatigued they go back to old tendencies. And it's your job as a position coach to crush those old tendencies, especially when guys get tired. So you have to hold guys accountable. You have to watch guys with a microscope and say, hey, listen, your hands aren't good right here. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. Let's get those hands right. Or, you know, name the position. So I think from that perspective, and once again, big generalizations, but I'm going to say coaches account for about 60% of it. Wow, that's interesting because I would oh, I would say no. I, I don't no, agree uh, yeah. with that. But again, this is me. You played the damn game. I did. <laughs> uh, and you played at this level. Yeah. But I would just say, are you kidding, man? I mean, guys, have they're taught all these things from Pop Warner football up. You know, you have to be able to control yourself. And I guess to be a little more specific, and I know you just spoke into generalization. I mean, listen, yeah. Calais Campbell, he's great, but he had an offsides. He jumped offsides. There were like three offsides in, in a matter of 10 minutes, it felt like, mm -hmm. for the Jasper Jaguars. Those are different. See, I, I know the fans would get upset with that after a while, but I think the ones of fans, obviously the Miles Jack situation, I continue to say in defense of Miles, although it was not right and all those things that we said on Monday – it's just a one-off thing. He has not proven to be like that all the time. But I think fans get irate about those kind because it wiped away a sack, wiped away a fumble, pushed him out of field goal range, all this other stuff. I mean, it was a key moment in the game. 
But the other one is a guy like Ronnie Harrison, a guy like Ronnie Harrison, who is kind of taunting and well, using the, those things that like, I just don't understand how that could be on a coach. Like everybody in their, their, their mother knows you don't do that stuff. You can you only, know, you can't cross the line. And those are bigger penalties than jumping off sides most of the time for a five yard penalty. Well, exactly. And listen, you, you can't teach a player like, Hey, remember when, if they score, or if they get close to the end zone, don't talk smack to them. Like you're not going to, as a coach, you're not going to say that. And, yeah. And, and I, I dislike the fact that it was called a taunting penalty because that makes it seem like Ronnie Harrison was like celebrating. Like he was like, you know, maybe saying something derogatory, whatever it was, to the fact that, you know, the Jaguars just made a good play. He could have said something regardless of whatever it was. It doesn't mean he was taunting the opponent. It just means he maybe used some foul language, true, you true, know. True. But, but unfortunately, yeah, of it. but unfortunately, it, it gets grouped in with taunting. So people immediately think, well, why is he celebrating when the Jaguars are down by so much, you know, whatever. But yeah, those are the penalties right there, Brent, where if you're a head coach or your position coach, whatever, when those mistakes happen or if you see them even happen in practice, you have to nip that in the bud ASAP. You know, and I think where people got a little nervous was especially with the Miles Jack situation, when he gets you know, when he gets ejected from the game, well Doug Marone comes into the press conference and basically says, you know, I'm not sure what was said out there. Uh you know, I mean I, I don't really know what happened. I mean, what you'd want to hear the coach say is that's unacceptable, that's not what we do here, because you wanna you wanna reiterate the point, you wanna drive the point home that if you're a player you cannot do that. And the only way to do that is to reiterate the point where you messed up. Now, we said before, maybe Doug Marone got a Miles Jack behind the closed doors and probably chewed him out in front of the team, not in front of the cameras. So be it. But I'm saying when you have those type of penalties, you can't be a player's coach anymore. You, yeah. you, you have to address the team and say, we're not going to accept this. Yeah. And again, behind closed doors, I'm sure he did. I, I don't want to. Well, I, I mean, you got to figure it out. Here's the thing, Brent, we're going to find out. Because yeah. if the same thing happens again, then we'll probably assume that he didn't do it. And then the, the questions have to be addressed even more. Quick hitters on defense. Uh, you played in the NFL. How many you got in a fight with Evan, Brit, Evan Britton every day in practice? Uh, how many personal foul penalties can you remember getting in the NFL? That I, that I actually got called for? <laughs> yes. Being serious. Because, well, that's a part of it, man. you got to know what you're supposed to get oh, away yeah. with and stuff. There's, yeah, no. With, that's that's uh, okay. Listen. I mean, uh, you think Jalen Ramsey gets away with some stuff? Sure there he does. Was, there was a couple. That's part of it. you got to be smart about yeah. it. That's my point. It's yeah. on the players sometimes. Yeah, and I'm not, listen, I'm not trying to come on here and, you know, especially if there's kids listening, I'm not trying to promote this or campaign for this. But, yeah, there was times, especially against Tennessee, you know, when there would be a, a giant pile on a goal line and maybe I got to eye gouge him because, you know what, I got to eye gouge done to me first. So yeah, yeah. I was retaliating. Obviously, I didn't get caught for that. Man, it, it, that it, was getting you prepped for the MMA. It was. It, yeah, it was eye gouging all day. <laughs> Call me John Jones. A uh, little MMA joke there for everybody. Um, but, uh Man, as far as like the personal, remember, how about this? No, you know what? It was it wasn't a lot because you know why? Because Joe Cullen would, and I, I we keep bringing him up, but it's the truth. You're afraid of that guy. Well, I mean, he's I mean, just a little guy. You can it, handle the man. I could share. I can't share a lot of stories that I have of him, but no, I was uh, I wasn't going to cross that dude. And because you knew if you got a personal foul like that, and if you did something that stupid, number one, you'd come out of the game. You're not going back in, regardless if you got ejected or not. And number two, uh, you'd be made an example of. So. Uh, I think, you know, it was a little more, I don't want to say it was more, a little more disciplined, but I think, um, it was a little more of a intense kind of psychotic culture, yeah, if you yeah. will, and where all, you didn't want to do that. With all due respect, though, there are some guys you wouldn't take out of the game in that situation, or at least you'd put them back in. You know, yeah, you're not yeah. going to take Jalen Ramsey or Miles Jack or Calais what Campbell or one of those guys yeah, out of the game. You're going to take Puzz back out of the game back in the day if you, you know did. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So there's, there's different yeah. variations like True. anything else. Uh, do you remember the most penalized you were in one specific game, whether it was personal fouls, oh, offsides, dude, whatever? So, yeah. So, well, preseason Chicago. This is funny. So, uh, Chicago Bears preseason, we're playing Jackson 
Jacksonville. And I'll never forget this. So me, you were a little amped up. Hey, means because Zach Miller's on the team yeah, too, yeah. right? And you know, me and Zach Miller are pretty good friends. So I remember coming out of the tunnel, and you know me, man, I'm a, I'm an emotional player, and I'm turning to Zach, and I'm like, Yo, Zach, they didn't want us. They didn't want us in Jacksonville. They didn't want us. Let's prove them wrong. So I'm like, dude, this is literally, Brent, this is the Super Bowl for me, okay? Uh, preseason game, I think number two or number three is literally the Super Bowl of my entire childhood up until my adulthood. This is the biggest game of my life. And uh, needless to say, came out a little too amped up and got two offsides calls right off the bat. <laughs> Play number one, play number two. Offside. Oh, yeah. First hey, hey. Coach, coach brought me to the sidelines. He's like, yeah, you're sitting out for a while. I'm like, yeah, rightfully so. But then, yeah, I, I never forget. That. Yeah, usually you get the first one, but you're yeah. like, all right, I'll wait a tick. But um, <laughs> no. But I came back in, and I can't remember. Was was O'Shaughnessy there in 2013? I forgot who the, who the tight end was. But on the very next not play, Lewis. no, not Mercedes. I would remember that, and I definitely would have been able not to drive Julius him back. Thomas. Not Julius Thomas, but whoever the tight end was, white starting guy. tight end, white white dude, yes. Um, ha- hashtag no racist. But uh, I literally came. <laughs> I, I was in a six. I was in a six technique head up on him, and I had the C gap right. Well, I was so pissed off where I literally, I'm not exaggerating, drove him back 15 yards, didn't even go for the tackle. Just <laughs> just wanted to take the tight end and put him on his back because I was so ticked off because I got embarrassed by coach and everything. So, yeah, that was uh, that was probably my worst game ever played. Uh, a little bit later on, Mash, about tackling in practice. Sure. Will that help? The Jags are doing that today. Yeah. Uh, not to the ground, but a little more live tackling. That's yeah. unusual. You don't see no, that this time sure. of year. Will they do that? How much of it, uh, how much of all that is based on the preseason, mm-hmm. uh, which we always go to and how long does that last how soon do you get accustomed to tackling we'll get into the tackling but i want to get back to the offense uh talked about the receivers do we have some stars that are about to be born in jacksonville yeah it's Minshew mania he might be born in jacksonville as a star but what about conley who's been waiting and waiting and waiting for this opportunity what about dj chark had a big game on Sunday. Oh, yeah. And then what about D.D. Westbrook? Does he get more involved? Are you excited about the receivers? That's next on ESPN 690. And hey, welcome back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane, Mitchu Mania here on a Thursday as everybody gets excited for the Jaguars quarterback. But should we be getting more excited about the Jaguars wide receivers? Finally. Do we have some breakthrough moments coming for this wide receiving core? Remember now, if you go back, it was Allen Robinson and Allen Hearns and Marquise Lee. There was reason for excitement. If you go back before Allen Robinson, his 1,000-yard season, it had been since 2005 and Jimmy Smith for a Jags receiver to get 1,000 yards. This team had waited forever. You could argue that Jimmy Smith was the most irreplaceable player in franchise history for about a decade. Mm Mm-hmm. They could not find somebody to catch the football in, in an almost elite way. And not to say Allen Robinson was Jimmy Smith, but I'm just talking getting to a 1,000 yards. Well, then all of a sudden they had Hearns who had a 10-touchdown year. I think it was eight touchdowns, 10 touchdowns. Then they had Allen Robinson who had a 1,000 yards. He looked very promising. looked like he was going to be here for a long time. Even Marquise Lee was doing his thing, and you had some hope for Marquise Lee. That looked like good. it was good. Well, Allen Robinson, ACL. Then he goes away because of the big free agent contract to Chicago. Alan Hearns starts going downhill with injuries, goes to Dallas, now in Miami, fell off. Marquise Lee, of course, last year, hurt, misses the entire season. Well, in comes a guy like DJ Chark. You pick him in the second round. And I think everybody was, hey, let's just see what happens. Didn't do much last year from a receiving standpoint, although he was very good on special teams, I always like to add. You bring in a guy like Chris Conley. 
You got D.D. Westbrook in the fourth round a couple years ago. And D.D. started to show last year that, oh, wait a minute now, he might be kind of this breakout guy. Nobody's trying to tell anyone right here that this could be the next Julio Jones, Antonio Brown on the football field, uh, A.J. Green, any of those guys. Yeah. But it looks like a decent collection of receivers for the Jacksonville Jaguars for the first time since we had a little bit of hope in the Hearns, A-Rob, Marquise Lee trio. You know, and here's the thing. You said it, the group. Okay, because when you think of, you know, the top wide receivers in the NFL, you know, you think you're Julio Joneses. Um, I mean, you think of when he played Antonio Brown. And I think it's super rare, Brent, in the NFL these days. And this isn't a, this is a past first league, by the way. But I think it's super rare to have three guys. That can come at you. Now, yeah, it's it's not rare to have maybe a receiver at, you know, like say, for instance, the Saints. You got Michael Thomas, you got a good uh, tight end in, in Cook, and then you got a good running back in Alvin Kamara. Those are three, three guys that can beat in the passing game. But it's very rare to have three receivers uh, that can equally beat you just as bad. And I think that's what the Jacksonville Jaguars have right now, where if you're game planning against the Jacksonville Jaguars, and we talked about it a little bit, you know, I mean, I guess it was the Chiefs' plan to to go on D.D. Westbrook and make sure he doesn't, you know, dominate your your defense. So be it. D.D. Westbrook, I think, had the most hype uh, throughout the preseason and through training camp. I was more on the D.J. Chalk bandwagon because I, I saw what he was doing. You know, I mean, Chark was was a guy that was getting all the red zone targets during training camp, and he was making some amazing catches. Well, we saw some amazing catches during the Chiefs. And then Chris Conley is kind of the, the unsung guy. You know, he's a guy who's been around for a little bit, who was kind of underutilized in Kansas City simply for the fact that they didn't really need to use him because they had enough talent ahead of him. When he, when he got his number called, even though it was few and far between, he did shine. It's just the fact that there was too many cooks in that kitchen. So now you have a team like the Jacksonville Jaguars, who have three wide receivers who you have to account for each one. You know, sometimes on NFL teams, you can have two good receivers, wide receivers, and maybe there's a slack guy. You're like, ah, we're not too worried about him, so be it. Um, and sometimes that slack guy can burn you. But I think it's super rare, even in this pass-friendly league now, Brent, where you have three receivers that are very capable of dominating. I agree with you, and I don't know. I don't want to get over – again, it's a little bit of overreaction. D.D. Westbrook – This is the Chiefs defense we're talking about. Yes, yeah. and, uh, but I like it. You know, I do think – I think you could see a Chris – Chris Conley, by the way, has looked good. This isn't like a pie in the sky. I think it's pie in the sky when you come out of August and you're saying this a couple weeks into the season, you maybe have three catches for 30 yards. But we saw it all preseason from Chris Conley. Mm-hmm. This is a guy that's been around, and you could certainly make the case that he was stuck behind some talent. In Kansas City, yeah, right? Yeah. It's easy to be the fifth option, fourth option, even third and a half option sure. on Kansas City. And he also had some injuries, too, in Kansas City. So, and now you grow a little bit more. You're more mature. You know how the NFL works. You know, all those things five years in. And now you come here and you have opportunity. And you know the quarterback, or he did, yeah. uh, very well with Nick Foles. But the bottom line is, I think right now Chris Conley's showing us and proving us to say, hey, we can count on him a little bit in Jacksonville because he did it all August. We were out there, man. Mm-hmm. He got deep. He made nice plays. I mean, he was consistent mm-hmm. in August, and he looked really good in game number one. I think DJ Chark, he's going to have to show it to us more, but that was a hell of a performance for him uh, coming into his second year in the NFL. And, again, playing with a guy that he with, – with Minshew and, and Foles both in the same game. And then I think D.D. Westbrook is the known commodity. What I don't know is does he take a step that makes him kind of a – star across the NFL. 
Like if you were to pick a guy in the beginning of the year, we might have done this on a show and said, hey, everybody's going to know this guy's name or see highlights on ESPN, NFL Network, all these kind of places throughout the course of the year. Yeah. He's going to be like the darling of the Jaguars. I would say Miles Jack, mm-hmm. probably number one, had that chance. I would even say I thought, no, again, I'm just being honest with you, the way I was thinking. I think even a Ronnie Harrison type of guy could have become that. Josh Allen, we know he was like a star of August. But on the offensive side, I would have picked D.D. Westbrook to be that guy, to kind of be the guy that transcends the Jacksonville market and Jaguars fandom and now becomes almost like a fantasy football star where people want to get him. So that's what the way I look at their receiving core. So I think they're showing us something. And that certainly will help our man Minshew out uh, coming this week in the next two months. Well, and there's a reason why the fantasy, all the fantasy experts were on D.D. Westbrook. You know, you didn't really hear anything from D.J. Chark. Uh, you heard very minimal from Chris Conley. It was all about D.D. Westbrook. And I guess rightfully so, because he's probably the guy that we would say is the one receiver. Yeah. Right? Um, you can do a lot with him. You can do a lot with him. And we have to keep in mind, too, a guy we're not even talking about, Marquise Lee. I mean, when he comes back... Uh, I mean, I don't want to say it's going to be a scenario where there's too many cooks in the kitchen again, but you have to wonder, like, who's going to get all the reps? Who's going to be out a little bit? I mean, I understand Marquise Lee come back from an injury, so they're going to ease him into it. But I'm talking, you know, if they're in week 12, week 13, you're playing for division. How do those reps get, you know, added up here? He became a big possession guy for the Jaguars at times in the last couple of years when you needed third and eight. Not last year, of course, mm-hmm. he was out. But if you needed a third and eight play two years ago, you went to – Marquise Lee. Yeah. Again, I think he's been miscast at times and therefore drawn the ire of the fan base because, hey, wait a minute, this guy's supposed to be a burner. He's supposed to be getting 20 yards a chunk. Yeah. He's supposed to be going you know, 74 yard play. Well, they haven't utilized him like that. Mm-hmm. They want to keep him uh, run blocking. Be very good at that. And at times they've used him more as a possession guy on third and eight because that's all they trusted a couple of seasons ago to go make that play. Uh, we'll see how they use him well, as he comes back into four. And listen, and I don't get ahead of ourselves here, Brent. It is the Kansas City Chiefs only one week, but this reminds you a lot of the, the Philadelphia Eagles back when they went to the Super Bowl, when you had guys like Nelson Aguilar, when you had guys like Torrey Smith, maybe not really household names, but they also had Alshon Jeffrey as well. But there's three guys at that time that could beat you. So it begs the question now. They have to keep on throwing to the tight end as well. Let's keep the tight ends involved a little bit and keep that defense honest. If you can do that, you have a shot. I've got a bone to pick with you next about the Houston Texans. Hit me with it. It's wait. coming up next. Minshew Mania rolls on on a Thursday. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Uh, I've been very complimentary of Deshaun before. And I talked about quarterbacks, and I said that he was going to be one of the best in the league. And I stand by that. I think he is emerging is one of the best in the league he had an amazing game the other night uh led their offense um i mean i'm biased too like that's a good friend of mine like we i talked to him last night crazy we better pick him off on sunday jalen ramsey <laughs> talking about deshaun watson people are in love with deshaun watson i will tell you this jalen ramsey i saw at a florida state pro day years ago he, he wasn't at the pro, it was the year after he got drafted mm-hmm. and i was at florida state pro day in tallahassee and we were kind of just talking to him off camera and asking him about different guys in the draft that were coming up. And he really loved Watson. Now, you know how you guys can get. That's your buddy. You think he's great. Sure. But he did really like him. He, like to the point of somebody oh, guess, I, somebody I remember. Said, I'm going to say this in, in a little bit of out of context careful. just to prevent the this original is, this context. That's how you get blocked, Brent. Be careful now. But I'm going to say it in more general terms. He basically said – if the team that gets Watson will end up winning the Super Bowl, is what he eventually said. Okay. He likes him. He liked him that much coming out of school. Wow. And if you remember now, the book was a little bit 
wishy-washy on Watson. Sure. Great leadership skills, but how winner. will his game translate? You know, all that stuff. Winner. And, He's a winner. Yeah, That's if important. If you buy into Watson because of his leadership and his mm-hmm. winner and it, it's all those kind of the intangibles, well, then you love him. Mm-hmm. And you will sell him down the river to anybody who wants to listen. You really will. But... uh I think from the football standpoint, it was a mixed review on Watson. Well, he certainly delivered. We talked about it a little bit earlier. Uh, I, I wanted to come in there on Tuesday and say I think he's a bit overrated at times because of how much people talk about him, but then he delivered magic in the in the clutch again. So it's hard, hard to, to say something like that. We'll mm-hmm. see what he can do on Sunday. And the guy's been sacked a gazillion times, too, uh, each and every year, it feels like. Yeah. But the point I want to get to is do you think – John Bachman's here. He he looks a little nicer than us. Do you think... That's debatable. No offense, John. <laughs> Do you think... You think the receiving core is unbelievable. For the Texans. Yes. Correct. You, you yes. put them on a high level. I, I do. I don't well, think they're as good as you think in totality. Like, you think I they're, like, the wide you receiving think they're core. like Kansas City B. Yeah, a little bit, Brent. Now, listen, I think Hopkins is the best guy in the game. Yes. Okay, so you're off to a good start. Great start. I just don't know if I have as much respect because I I think I need to see it. I get he's fast, but Will Fuller gets hurt every year. No, I, I get Kuti that. is okay. You love him in the slot, but it's okay. I mean, it's <laughs> he's, he's another player, man. Kiki. And Kenny Stills has. I mean, if Kenny Stills is your fourth guy, as a fourth guy, I, I understand that's some that's some serious depth. He's a good he player. A, he had a pretty good showing he against the Saints. I just I'm just sitting here telling you. And it's part of the reason I don't think Houston is as incredible as everybody thinks they are is I'm not as high on on all these players as some are like you. You love this receiving core. So I should probably be a little more specific when I say receiving core. I love their wide receiving core. Okay, I mean, in terms of their tight ends, you know, they got Darren Fells, who came from Cleveland uh, and then Jordan Atkins, I believe. Yeah, they probably I, lost I, a little bit at tight end. I'll, I'll be honest. I don't really know a lot about those guys. You said okay? like Owen Daniels. Oh, of course, and, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it was the Wisconsin pipeline for a while. I think they had Garrett Graham for a little bit. Yeah, yeah it was. Yeah, for sure. So, And by the way, Bill O'Brien, you know, those guys, like, we talk about DeFilippo and yeah. Brian, they know how to utilize those tight ends. Well, and so. and that, that has been the, the story of the Houston Texans since Gary Kubiak was there. It would be to use the tight ends, use yeah. the play action, run the ball with Arian Foster, whoever you had back there, and then get the tight ends involved with the play action. Because, And I, I'll, I'll give Kubiak credit for this. And I think O'Brien kind of implemented it a little bit, but now I think the offense is kind of changing. Where all their looks, Brent, whether it's like the zone stretch or whether it's the play action, like a, like a boot pass to a tight end, it all looked the same. So from a defensive line perspective, we were trying to game plan. We can't really get a lot of tendencies because their whole line at the time was really good where everything looked the same. And when you're going against everything that looks the same, you're not really sure if it's going to be run or pass. So th- that was kind of hell the game plan for just because you know what was coming. But now, obviously, it's a new offensive line. But getting back to the wide receivers, yeah, I think one through four is some of the best, if not you know the best in the NFL. I mean, obviously, Hopkins, um, quote-unquote, arguably maybe the best wide receiver in the entire game right now and i think he's probably underrated quite frankly yeah absolutely and i think will fuller is a guy and i get it brent the injuries are there but whenever you have a star one receiver and you can complement that you can add that with a burner that can absolutely take the top off the field you have a combination for success because now hopkins can do every route in the route sheet make no mistake about it fuller is that guy that can take you deep and it's not a big deal so when you have those two guys you can do a lot of different things because now if you do double team hopkins very 
cool. Check this out. Will Fuller for 88 and out the gate on a go route. So you can do that as well. And then you had Kiki Kuti in the slot last year. He kind of tore the Jaguars apart a little bit. I think every slot receiver tore the Jaguars apart. And then, like I said, Brent, Kenny Stills. Kenny Stills is a guy now who is super underrated. Um, kind of had some trouble, trouble with Miami a little bit because obviously there was, there were some locker room issues with him. Mm-hmm. But when he's on the field, when he's focused, uh, I think he's a great player. He's a guy you can do a lot of gadgets with. So from that perspective, yeah, I think the offense is pretty good. Yeah, I know. I Again, we disagree a little bit on this. And yeah. if, if they, uh, you know, I think even, I just am not in love as much as everybody else is. I think even if you look at that game the other day, you know, everybody's talking about him, talking about him. Wow, 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 wow. And you look up and they have 21 points. It's not like they've got 36 points. Now, again, yeah. they hit it late in the game. They, that was a little bit of. And most teams, you're not going to go down the field and score like that, like they did. Uh, that was a little fluky, mm-hmm. is my point. But uh, we'll see. How, I guess the other thing is, I like the reason why maybe I downplay a team like Houston's offensive weapons is normally, <laughs> yeah, I like the Jags' pass defense. Mm-hmm. I, I like Jalen Ramsey on Hopkins. It's going to be a great battle. Hopkins will collect his, but I think Ramsey's going to get his too. Then you usually like Boyer covering these guys or, or whoever else you want to add up. DJ Hayden quietly, I think, has been decent for the Jacksonville Jaguars going back to the last year. So, or maybe even better than decent, probably pretty good. And, uh, so I just don't mind the Jags matching up against teams. Now, Kansas City is a different animal. And I just feel like from a drop-off standpoint, there's a big drop-off we're talking about between weapons for Deshaun well, Watson and weapons for Patrick Mahomes. Okay, but if we're going to do that, too, let's take the running back into account real quick. There's a guy by the name of Duke Johnson who back in 2017 led the Cleveland Browns in receiving. Okay, this is a running back that did that. Uh, Duke Johnson is a great receiver out of that backfield. And we saw against the Kansas City Chiefs. A lot of miscommunications as far as the linebackers are concerned. So if I'm Houston, I'm getting Duke Johnson involved in the passing game as well. And I was a little worried about Duke Johnson, Brent, because obviously the, the, the plan going forward with the Houston Texans was you're going you're gonna to have Miller get you know the first and second down reps, then have Duke Johnson come in on third down and you throw him the ball. Miller goes down with, I think it was a, a season-ending injury, and they go to Carlos Hyde. And I'll be honest with you, when they signed Carlos Hyde, I was like, Houston, you better be careful. Good luck with that. But all things considered, uh, against a very stout New Orleans Saints rush defense last year, uh, Carlos Hyde performed very well. He did. And if, if he can run the ball, they get Duke Johnson involved, you know, the Jaguars are going to have to mind their P's and Q's on this one. They really are. Well, bottom line is you have to, you, any team, you have to make one dimensional, right? They can't let Carlos Hyde run for 80 to 100 yards. That's going to be a long day because then it really eliminates what you can do from a pass rush standpoint. When you can yeah. be predictable and try to pass rush and bull rush that offensive line, well, then you got a really good chance. But if they're going to yeah. counter it with Hyde and nice balance, that's going to be a very difficult day for you. But to, to be fair, the Chiefs didn't run the ball at all. You know, the, the Chiefs didn't. just passed the ball. No, but and they're different. That's well, what I'm no, saying. I'm saying, and if, if I'm Houston, I'm seeing what the Chiefs did and saying, listen, do we maybe incorporate Duke Johnson a little more? Do we maybe, uh, you know, spread him out a little more wider than we're used to seeing? Do we maybe not use a tight end that much? I'm just saying from that perspective, um, if I'm Houston, I'm watching what Kansas City did now. That's not Houston's identity, right? But it, I'm going to be curious to see exactly if they stick to their roots, if they stick true, or if they go with what beat the Jaguars week one. All right, well, welcome in Action News Jack's John Bachman right now, who's joined the uh, stash party, Minshew Mania, Looking underway. Good, man. CBS 47, Fox 30 coming up at 5. I can't get away with this on TV, I don't think, and you probably can't either. I know I can't. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've got some breaking news. Antonio Brown not expected to meet with the media today or the rest of this week in Foxborough. Oh, shocking. That's exactly what I tweeted. Shocking. Hashtag shocking. Shocked. Yes. You have to pay a fine for that. Yeah. 
But these things are not comfortable, so, by the yeah. way. Oh. The mustache? <laughs> no, not at all. Hey, here's what I'm uh, putting on social media right now. Okay. I think the Jaguars offensive line should get off the plane in Houston wearing looking these? like this. Amen. I think that would be fantastic you know, idea. Also, now we're talking that. about it in the break. Like, baseball teams do this. Absolutely. Can you imagine if – let's just go getting on the plane. Yeah. At JIA on Saturday afternoon when the Jags fly out to Houston. Yep. And Tom Coughlin's in the plane. And the offensive linemen come down <laughs> – yeah, <laughs> I would love I'm that. Gonna, I'm going to be honest, honest man. Somebody has a video of that. I'm seeing that. <laughs> and listen, you have that question, like, hey, should we be focused a little more? Or are we too laid back? But at the same time, remember, and I'm not trying to knock the Houston Texans here. You don't need to be focused they, walking on a plane. Come uh, on. That's a good point. But the Houston Texans did wear, like, remember when they had, like, their Letterman jackets that they all wore? Like, I think that's more ridiculous than wearing mustaches, is just my opinion. Yeah, that's true. Who, who wears Letterman jackets anymore? That's a good point. Did, 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 you, you probably never had one because you didn't play sports. Did you, did you have one, John? <laughs> John, did, John, did you have one? Yeah, I did. I yeah. did. Yeah, I did. <laughs> Brent, I'm kidding, dude. Come on. I know you played come baseball. On now. That hurts. That does that hurt. Hurts. Brent, I'm ki- oh, come on, that Brent. That hurts almost as bad as You know what? That's fine. He had it coming. Look at these. <laughs> I mean, look at these guns. Do they look like somebody who didn't play sports? <laughs> but, 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 yeah, did, did you have a Letterman jacket back in the day? You had one. Nah, I really no? didn't. I didn't get it. It was kind of be, it was past. I feel like my sister did. She was three years older. Yeah. And like in her class, yeah. they still were doing that. I didn't that. wear it. I didn't that wear it, but like, I had one. She graduated in 92. Yeah. Exactly. I didn't wear mine yeah. either. Yeah. I graduated in 95, and I don't really, like, I remember some doing it, but I don't remember it being a yeah. thing. No. Uh, you know the old starter jackets? Like of that course. the pitchers used to wear in the bullpens? Yeah, yeah those were cool. Yeah, I actually got one of those in college. Yeah. I was surprised, like, yeah. we got one. And of course, uh, I've never wore it because it was purple. Our colors were purple. Did and like, the Oh, dude, I want to see. So I want to see Seattle right Mariners one so bad, but and it would be it would be cool again. Oh, of course, but so like, it, it didn't feel that cool when I was playing college baseball wearing that thing. It just didn't. Fair enough. <laughs> so it's like some closet somewhere. Right? Yeah. Uh, All right, stash man, what you got right. tonight? Okay, well, I've got a story that is pretty crazy. Yeah, we have uh, a story coming up on Action News Jackson Five about some employees at a at a. I won't name the name. We're going to name the name at, 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 at the newscast, but at, at a phone store who never sold any phones, but instead sold drugs in Jacksonville Jeez. from the store. From the store. Wow. Yeah. Big bust huh. today, and it's kind of crazy. So that's that's coming up at five. How long did they do this? That's a good question. I don't know the answer off the top of my head, wow. but um, I'm sure we'll we'll tell you coming up on right. on at five. Um, the other thing, of course. Not of course, but um, the other thing is Umberto is the name yes. of the system that it would become Umberto. I just like to say, by the way, Umberto oh, is, the, is the hurricane. Right? Just kind of feels yeah. right. It's not a hurricane yet. Oh, I'm sorry, the tropical storm. It's a storm. tropical system right now. Okay. It's expected to Umberto. develop into a tropical storm or a hurricane. Yeah. Umberto. But anyway, this Who's thing... naming these things, by the way? Well, they, they name them every year. It's they have like five years out. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, but this thing is developing near the Bahamas, not what the Bahamas no. needs. It's not going to be a hurricane likely over the Bahamas, but it's going to drop a lot of rain in places they probably don't need it and some wind, and then it's going to come towards Florida. I mean, we don't know exactly where it's going yet. Um, we have some ideas. Yeah, it and could it's cut gonna, right through the middle of the state it or could, couldn't go out to sea on the East Coast, it, right? It could go a similar path to Dorian. Yeah. It could cut across Florida and go into the Gulf. It could hit South Florida and move around. Anyway, so um, Burrish is going to be tracking that all day long. He's got he's trying to pinpoint the track right now. He'll have the latest for us at 5 o'clock. But um, 
it, it looks like you know it will have some sort of impact on us. Yeah, and that's a Sunday big one to evening. watch personally yeah. because that will really impact how much rain we get this weekend. Yes. And Monday's the Action Sports Jack Stream 18. Of course. So I'm yes. keeping an eye on that yes. because if it cuts across the middle of the state, we'll get uh, at we'll least get a lot of rain. We'll get no, I think less rain across the middle, isn't it? Nah, I think we'll get I think we'll get more, more rain. rain that way. Yeah. Okay. Because of, because, because of the wrong. rotation. I was rooting for the wrong thing. Well, I, was, I mean, yeah, you, yes. that? you ever like gamble on a game or bet on a game and then forgot yes. the bet that you put in? Yeah. So you're rooting for something happy like damn yeah. it i lost and you look back it turns like, out it's oh, okay shoot, i picked that team yeah yeah <laughs> that's that's what just happened because if it happened. cuts across the state of florida you're gonna get a lot of rain up here and if it goes up dorian remember how much rain we had along uh, i-95 you know that's what dorian? i figured but i, I yeah i just read it'll it be even less than that okay yeah so right. that's so what we're, we're keeping at. an eye on another system yeah. this one kind of yeah. snuck in well, no, no, in. they don't ever sneak it, in when you got Burrish on the watch now. Come well, on. I know, but it formed later. I guess it's forming later. That's what I should say. Well, we're not having a week and a half to dissect it. Yeah. That's correct. That's good. That's not the new trend, thankfully. Thankfully. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> now, I mean, Umberto is going to be more fun to get, say yeah. Dorian, by the way. Umberto. Finding Dorian wasn't bad. Yeah, yeah we're new with Umberto. Umberto. you got to roll the R. Umberto. Umberto. Very good. Yeah. With the mustache, it really makes a lot of sense. Isn't like in this outfit, Umberto of, makes a lot of sense. Isn't that what, like a brand of beef jerky? Isn't there oh, an Umberto beef jerky? I don't know. Right? You're is right. It? Yeah, you yes, might be right. Is. Oh, my mouth good is watering. Good call, man. I know. Oh, that was like wow. out of left field. Yeah. Of course he's bringing well, it back Brent, to food. Seriously, looking at you right now, you could choose some beef jerky. I wouldn't be surprised, nah, man. Like you, you got the whole swag going on, so yeah, I, beef jerky hey, Before I leave, and you can sign me off anytime, kick me out, but I need a picture with you guys so I can post it. We'll do it. It's all right. about the social whole experience. media. Yeah. Social media blowing up with Minshew mania. And the experience as well. Uh, I, right. I, I compared him, by the way, I, real quickly. I, I Tell me what you think about this. Last night I was talking with some people. A little, and this is going to sound crazy, but a little Favre-esque. Yeah, I saw your tweet on that. Okay. Don't you, what do you think? I understand what you're saying. I mean, like he's that. got a long way to go. Don't get me wrong. I'm not kind of trying to go crazy on this. But yeah. he, just the swagger, the way he moves, the way he handles himself. The, and, the and, reason people won't come with you on that bill and they'll shut yeah. you down sometimes because yeah. the arm strength of far was well, incredible. Well, arm strength. Yeah, 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 fair enough. I'm not talking arm strength. I, I really I not. You. I'm just talking the personality, moxie, and moxie. just the That's way he word. handles himself yeah. on Sad the field. Yeah. The way he yeah. kind of just his swagger on the field. The way he throws it. from different angles. Yeah. You know. Savvy and moxie are two of the best sports words ever. Yeah. He's got it in... Spades. Spades. He well, does. well, I'll tell you what. If Gardner Minshew gets in J.J. Watt's face and goes at him and says, this is my game, like Brett Favre did with John Randall, there then, you I'll, go. then I'll be impressed. Let's do it. No, 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 Vince, to your Vikings journey. Minshew Mania rolls on a Thursday. Check out John, Tanika, and Mike Burrish on Action News Jacks, 5 o'clock, CBS 47, and Fox 30. We'll be back right after this. Yeah. Yeah, 99 overall rating on that. So, that's like, what? That's damn near unguardable on that, right? Uh, it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty much like that in real life, too. It's, it's tough. It's one of the toughest battles. Um, I have each year in, year out. Uh, we always have pretty good battles. Sometimes I hold them the less yardage, and, you know, whatever it may be. Um, but I know that, yeah, he's a tough guy to go out there and guard, play in, and play out, or as much as I the opportunity to guard him. And hey, that's Jalen Ramsey today talking about DeAndre Hopkins, who has real a lot of really a lot of respect for. I think if you go over the years of players that he has respect for against on the field, as Antonio Brown going up against him, 
uh, and DeAndre Hopkins are probably the two that he's, he he mentions the most. I'm not saying he doesn't have respect for anybody else. I'm just mm-hmm. in, in conversations with Jalen Ramsey. Those are two guys where he's not really talking a lot of trash the week of because he knows he's in for a battle. And uh, some days he's fared better than others, like he said, but usually fares okay. Uh, what the great battles in sports are is when each can get theirs. And I think DeAndre Hopkins and Jalen Ramsey is that way. Like, Ramsey... Hopkins is going to be targeted. They are going to throw to him anyway. Mm-hmm. And they're going to target him probably 12 times. They did 13, I think, last week, and he caught 11. I think they'll probably go 10 to 12 times, even against Ramsey, and a lot of people won't do that against mm-hmm. Jalen Ramsey. And he'll catch six or seven balls. So that's the way it is. Yeah. Now, what does he do with it? Does he catch six or seven balls for 120, or does he catch six or seven balls for like 70 yards? And uh, on the 10, 11, 12 targets, that would be a pretty good day for Jalen Ramsey if yeah. you can hold that guy to 70 yards or something like that. I'm throwing out numbers, but you get my point. No, absolutely. I think the last thing you want to do, especially with the first-year quarterback now, um, who just kind of got you know thrown in the fire a little bit, is give up the big plays, right? The last thing you want to do is give up the big plays if you're on defense to Hopkins or to Will Fuller or whoever else it is, um, because that way you're not giving your quarterback a chance. You know, if you, I think if you slow play a little bit, you know, make Watson beat you, uh, make that team beat you then so be it. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, if you're Jalen Ramsey, I think he understands this. Hopkins is going to make his catches. I mean, we saw last season, Hopkins made some of the best catches that I've ever seen that season in the NFL. You know, I think one of them... That dude's got Velcro on his hands. It's absolutely insane. And he, he's so unassuming, because he's, he's not like the most physically big guy. right? No. He's, he's tall no. and everything, but uh, he's got speed. You know, he, he has the footwork and everything. So I think he's a little unassuming as well. I mean, standing next to him, you wouldn't get that kind of vibe. But yeah, yeah. Just, just kind of seeing well, his whole... And- Makeup and everything. He's not diva esque, you know. He's more no. AJ Green and Julio Jones no, from a personality standpoint than he's he is. More Andre Johnson. Brown I mean, or, yeah, right. you know, pick your Houston Texans receiver. There, you got Andre Johnson again, and and I think, listen, if Hopkins was more that flashy guy, if if he was rocking the three hundred thousand dollar watches uh, during a game or anything like that, yeah, I mean, I think the guy would be a world renowned star. Not to say he's not very popular because he is, but I think he goes a little underappreciated. I think he goes a little below the radar just because of his personality. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, he should not have got flagged the other day for that. Oh, the body slam? That was Love that. But, I mean, it's in your mind, it's like (sighs) when you tackle a guy like that. See, I I don't think that's out of the realm. Now, if it's after a whistle or something like that, that's different. But if you're bringing a guy to the ground, sometimes you have to do that kind of wrestling move well, first, to get him down to the ground. Why is that a penalty? First of all, he's a wide receiver. Do you think he's going through tackling drills every yeah, single like Do you think he knows the, the proper technique of how to tackle? Probably not. Sometimes you have to use your full-grown man strength and take care of business, and that's exactly what he did. Yeah, I agree with you, Brent. The fact that he got flagged for that it was a little ridiculous. You know, I don't think it was with any malice or any you know criminal intent. It was just the fact he had to get the guy down, his interception. What do you want him to do? I don't even think uh, if a defender does it, it should be flagged. Again, oh. unless it's like so obvious, and that was not. That was a keep the flag in your pocket on that one. All right, yeah. let's do some balling and falling. I'm going to begin it, okay? Yeah, thank you. Uh, did you see the box score? Uh, and, and I don't know where this lies in balling, but I just thought it was very interesting. The New York Mets are making a run back into the wild card race. They won again today, big actually, and they're right back there. They, I thought they were done. Yeah. And now here so they come I. again. And now that National League race is incredible, even with your Milwaukee Brewers. Brewers. just won again today. They're on a seven-game winning streak right now. Incredible. That's a nice yeah. little bounce after what happened to Yelich the other yeah. day. And it looked like they were out of it. Both yeah. the Brewers and the Mets were right out of it. So yeah. this is a little bit of combination of balling for those guys to get back in it. Sure. But also, did you see the box score yesterday on 9-11? The oh, I Mets heard about won this. Yeah. 9 to nothing. 
and they mm-hmm. had nine runs and eleven hits yeah. and zero errors in the in the ball game. Uh, funny how numbers work sometimes. You can't make that stuff up, right? It's yeah. just it's wild. I'm man. a sucker for that kind of thing. Well, I mean, like it's like, man, the, that's wild, isn't it? And I understand, like when it comes to numbers, you know, there, there's patterns and everything, right? But that's just uh, that's out of this world. Yeah, I showed my kids. I, I said, look at look at this. I didn't even tell them. I just said, look, and they were like, oh, you know, I kind yeah. of jumped out. And, yep. Uh, we watched a lot of things on 9/11. I thought ESPN did this fantastic probably hour and a half show mm-hmm. yesterday. And I don't honestly know if it was like a rerun from three years ago when they did it, and then they just bring it back every 9-11. But it was about what happened in New York and how sports kind of helped everybody back together after 9-11. And sure. they took the Rangers and the Knicks and the Giants and the Jets and the Yankees and the Mets and, mm-hmm. and uh, even had some NASCAR with uh, – I was – I didn't remember this. Dale Jr. in the Budweiser car won the next race in NASCAR. Uh, so it was really pretty cool. Uh, pretty cool thing that ESPN did. So we watched a lot of that. What you got for me? Cool. Uh, Brent, I'm not sure we're doing March 6th, but I said we take a field trip to Brooklyn for ESPN 690. Okay. Because the Brooklyn Nets are hosting. Uh, this is the title of the whole thing. Marvel presents Dr. J as Black Panther. And basically what this is, it's a Dr. J bobblehead, but he's wearing the Black Panther, the superhero. He's wearing his kind of gear. Why Why they're collaborating, I have no idea. But if you see a picture of this uh, this bobblehead doll, Brent, it's worth the price of admission. Do you want and it? it's worth the trip. Oh, do I want this bobblehead doll? Well, then no. you just answered your own question. Why are they collaborating on it? Yeah, because, because I want, want it. it. There you go. Enough said. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, basically, it's Dr. J with this big afro with the headband and everything, awesome. the short shorts, and then he's rocking the, the Black Panther chest piece. So. How about that? Yeah, I, like, see, I like Keep a guy like Dr. J relevant of a little course, bit. That's man. awesome. Yeah. That's good stuff. It, you know, because that's a great point. You know what it does, Brent? The next generation's coming up. They're going to Google him. They're going to YouTube some of his highlights and things like that, and then you can appreciate the history of the game. Him so, and, respect. Him and a guy like Dominique Wilkins might be two of the most <sighs> underrated players of yeah. all time. Now, Dominique probably more so than Dr. J, and he wasn't as good as Dr. J. True. But Dr. J helped change the game of basketball yeah. and I don't think gets as much love as, as all the like the birds and the magics but, and the Jordans yeah. and everybody else. But I'll know? say this about Wilkins, at least he had the he had the dunk contest to fall back on, right? Like, did, I, I think people could recognize him a little more of the dunk contest. I'll say Dr. Day wasn't in one of those two, but I think Dominique's more known as a, the dunk contest guy. Good point. All right, here's my fallen. How about the Jets? How about Sam Darnold has mono? That's so unusual to hear about that in sports, and he's out until week number five. I know. I will say, I said this, uh, we were doing our picks last night. We do our Take Your Pick podcast on mm-hmm. Action News Jacks, and we do it on uh, Wednesday nights, or, yeah, Wednesday nights. Today's Thursday. And I said, the NFL got a little jumpy in their schedule making to put the Browns and the Jets on Monday Night Football. I don't know if it's a great game to begin with. We don't know. Can they prove a little something first? Like it, it feels like it should have been a flex game down the road. Sure. The Browns and, and even ESPN, everybody fell in love with the Browns really quick, in my opinion. Uh, but anyway, it's a blow to that game a little because now you don't have Sam Darnold, and I would think clearly the Browns have a big edge now Monday night. Well, speaking of the Jets as well, Le'Veon Bell is a guy who's getting an MRI on his shoulder now, and uh, all reports are indicating that he's going to be 50-50 to play the Browns now um, with his shoulder. He had MRI. The results have not come back yet, but not a good start to the Jets. Not at all. Here's Adam Gase talking about the situation with uh, second-year quarterback Sam Darnold. They're doing all these tests on him and things like that and kind of figuring out the best protocol. I know his biggest concern is weight loss. That was something that was alarming to him, that he lost some weight already in the last couple days. You know, he's meals over because he can't be in the building right now. So he's like, I need to get meals over here. I need to make sure that I'm getting enough of what I need, keep my weight. I mean, he went right into, all right, how do I, how do I maintain? 
Uh, that's Adam Gase, the Jets head coach. Uh, who's going to be a bigger flop? The Jets or the Browns? This is easy to I say think, with Darnold, but yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, Darnold will be back in a couple of weeks, and one of those is a bye week, so he actually only misses two games most likely. Yeah. Who's going to be a bigger flop? I think it's definitely the Jets, just because from a talent aspect, um, you know, I wasn't buying that Le'Veon Bell was going to come back and just tear the league apart like he did in Pittsburgh. I think that top to bottom, the roster of the Browns is better, so I'm going Jets all day. If Brown, if Bell gets hurt, what are the ramifications after skipping a year, getting a big contract, and then getting hurt? How much does that stop the little bit of player empowerment and what Melvin Gordon might even do and say, hey, I better get on the field? Listen, teams are going to take notice of that. They have to because I think Le'Veon Bell is a guy who, if I'm not mistaken, didn't miss too many games when he was in Pittsburgh. You know, I think I I don't remember him missing a lot. Say what you want about him. I think he was always there to play. So the fact that, listen, we don't know if he's going to be out yet for an extended period of time or not, but if he is, teams have to take notice. How can you not? Yeah, it's definitely a bit alarming. Uh, Speaking of, how about a little fantasy football? Let's An update it. on what happened last week in fantasy football because we got this thing going. There's a belt on the line. Oh, no, not a belt. Well, it could be just like a basic belt, yeah. Do we have, like, belts flying everywhere? We do have belts flying everywhere. I and mean, we got picks. We have a belt for that. Yep. Belt for fantasy. I, There's a belt for that. How about we just do bandanas? They're a lot cheaper. Yep. And uh, when we come back from the break, too, my fall, and uh, I'm, I'm putting Taco Tuesday on blast. Oh, you didn't like the trademark deal. Oh, I can't wait thereof. to get into that. Little LeBron James. Who do you think you are, LeBron James? And falling on Minshew Mania Day because he's balling. It's next on ESPN 690. Anytime, you know, it's no different on offense when, you know, unfortunately you lose your quarterback. Um, you know, and my linebacker takes the majority of the reps uh, during the week and everything goes through him. So it's, it's a little bit different, but... Uh, you know, Goody, you know, went into the game and, and played solid. Um, obviously, you know, we'd like to have Miles on the on the field and, and make better decisions. Uh, but, uh, it, you know, it's different. Anytime you lose any player, doesn't matter if it's your Mike linebacker, could be your defensive end, defensive tackle, or safety. You know, just when you lose a starter, it hurts you, uh, no matter who it is. I gets back to the discipline a little bit because once you take yourself out of the game, especially the guy that's really calling the plays on the defense, Miles Jack, well, that really puts you in a bind, and uh, yeah. the Jags were in a bind on a lot of different levels. You know, I'm not sure Miles Jack was even playing that well in that football game prior to. I can't really name a defensive guy that was playing well, but uh, it looked like Miles Jack was in chase mode quite a bit. Yeah, he was in chase mode. Um, it's Once again, it's so hard to tell because there were so many blown assignments there, but you can kind of tell whenever a linebacker's got his back turned, he's running towards the guy that has the ball, uh, it's not a good sign. So, yeah, I think Miles Jack maybe had a couple – you know, I guess judgment calls that didn't go his way. But it's once again, Brent, I mean, the, the entire defense in, in whole yeah. was doing that. I think so. it's easy just to say blanket everybody didn't play well. Yeah. Uh, although Todd Wash did say today, you know, Jalen Ramsey, I think the, there were people wondering, okay, how did he play? Did he play well or not? Or uh, how, what was his fault, right? Everybody's yeah. trying to mention. He said he played 67 games. He said he, he didn't like three of the plays that he played. Uh, Jalen Ramsey oh. didn't like three of the plays, okay. especially. And so you play six. I mean, that's going to happen. I mean, I guess, right? Who plays well, 67 out of 67 right? Is that, sure. But, I don't know. But is that a bad game, though? I guess for Jalen, well, when you play three out of 67 bad, that's bad for Jalen. Well, here's the thing, though. You, you can play three bad three bad plays, and it'll be okay. But if you play the, the bad plays and they're giant plays that <laughs> yeah, go for 70-yard touchdowns, yeah, well, then, yeah, those are a lot plays. worse. So yeah. it all depends what kind of play those are. If you're Jalen's position, you'd rather play a, a, a dive 
yeah. run play Maybe you bad. Miss a five yard tackle <laughs> yeah, on an right. inside run, then it's going to be okay. But if you give up a you know a big touchdown, a big play, then it's a little worse, obviously. Uh, all right, fantasy football a little bit coming up, but also yeah. we have some falling, and it's LeBron James and Taco Tuesday related. Yeah, man. Um, listen. LeBron James tried to trademark Taco Tuesdays and obviously uh, got that trademark declined because, of course, uh, LeBron James didn't invent Taco Tuesdays. I've been doing Taco Tuesdays since I was like in second grade in grade school. So uh, from that perspective, I don't know, LeBron, I mean, how much how much money do you need and how much time do you have on your hands, man, to try to get this whole Taco Tuesdays trademark thing, uh, you know, to, to go here. Now, uh, according to our resident NBA expert, Driving Dish Podcast, Coos, uh, gave me the information that I guess this was all about a podcast where he was going to host celebrities eating tacos. First Driving Dish podcast mentioned in a while. Riveting. Uh, yeah, but here's the thing. I feel like you see you eat tacos, you talk about it? Like, well... Get no, okay. okay. Sorry, that was a Stewart thing. Um, (laughs) but no. So you eat tacos literally, and then like that's supposed to be like the big selling point. Like, dude, you're not Jerry Seinfeld. You know, you're not getting coffee in a cool car. You're eating tacos. I think this is like Ohio State trying to trademark the word the, true or the in their text. Yeah, yeah. But uh, that's not happening. Mm -hmm. And bigger than not bigger than that. But is there a you know me. I like LeBron James. I like I, him a lot. I, I do, too. Yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah. I don't like his decision to go to L.A. I don't like the fact I feel like it was business related. And I think, are we going to question athletes? And can we question even a LeBron James that he's got too much on his plate in terms of business related, movie related, trademark related, podcast related, barbershop related, all these things going on rather than. How about you just worry about finishing off this incredible basketball career over the next couple of years, cement your legacy. And, you know, I think what somebody's going to say to me is say, well, listen, they're really relevant right now. You have to take advantage of all this. Come on, dude. He's LeBron gonna... James is going to be relevant until he's 95 years old. I mean, yeah. he doesn't need to dribble a basketball to be relevant. All these things will still happen for him. Yeah. I think that's the one knock I have. And, you know, it's the one thing I always said about Tiger Woods, whether it's this old different. And I, people hate when I say this, or some do. It's like getting married and having kids if you're Tiger Woods. That's not part of the plan in chasing Jack. Mm-hmm. If you want to be great, and I don't, I don't, I'm not saying that Tiger regrets having the kids or anything like that. Don't, don't get me wrong. But if you want to be great, you got to be selfish. If you want to be one of the best all, of all time, you got to be selfish. And selfish means all my attention mm-hmm. is on for LeBron James basketball, for Tiger Woods golf. For Tom Brady, he does a nice job of handling his family, but he's got a hell of a lot of attention on football. And, yes, he has opened this TB12 thing, he's, but he doesn't seem like – Tom Brady doesn't seem like he's doing 15 different things. True. He might do one business venture. Maybe it's two, and you know he's got an army of people helping him out. I feel like all of a sudden LeBron James has spread himself through all these different things rather than just playing basketball. Is that fair or not? That's very fair, and you see this happen a lot actually with MMA fighters, Brent. For instance, a girl by the name of Ronda Rousey, who at the time was the biggest MMA star in the entire world. Um, you know, she, she had a rise to prominence pretty fast, and all of a sudden she starts doing the Fast and the Furious movies. You know, she starts doing these other endeavors, 
and falls off the pedestal, and all of a sudden now she's you know doing pro wrestling, and now she's just kind of chilling. But um, it happens so quickly, right? And and I get it, even from a fighting perspective or from a sports perspective, you want to think that now is the time to do it because this is when your name's trending the most. This yeah. is when people can recognize you the most. But see, I think it's the other way around. I think you want to build a brand. You you want to build yourself uh, as a player, as a fighter, where when you retire, people will still recognize you. People will still still associate that brand with you, and then you can do the movies and things like that. So I definitely agree with your principles here. There, there are some there, – listen, there are some in- instances where that doesn't work. But when you have the star power – like for us, we got to do a little on TV. We got to do a little on radio. We got to do a little social media. We got to do a little bit of everything. We yeah. got to try to reach a lot of different audience. We got to go get them. Go reach them. Now, if I dress like this every show, I might just be doing radio, okay? <laughs> uh, but, and maybe you will. We'll see, man. Um, this could be a gimmick here. But this is different. for Like, if you're LeBron James, you already are so big, man. You already are so You don't have you've to go see this stuff. You've already won the game. Yeah, you've already Not won, right man. right now. Wait three years, dude, and then go do it. Again, who's the smartest guy on the planet when it comes to being an athlete? You know who the smartest athlete maybe of all time is? Anybody? I'm going to guess Peyton Manning. <laughs> not Gardner Minshew, not yet. Good, good call, though. Way to stick with the theme. Uh, Michael Manning, Jordan? Michael Jordan? Manning's a good example of this, but not a great. Jordan? No. Any other guesses? Smartest athlete. I mean, it's obviously a guy that we're, we're not talking about a lot. Um, I have no idea, man. He does now own a team. That's not Michael Jordan. Nope. Um, Is it Marshawn Lynch and his partial ownership of the Oakland Panthers? Nope. Okay. A-Rod? Nope, but right sport. Jeter. Derek Jeter. Oh, yeah. Derek no, Jeter sure. is the smartest athlete of all time, in my opinion. The guy plays baseball in New York, stays away from the back pages, never says anything that will get him in trouble. Yet, you want to see his credential list? His starting lineup? <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> you know, he goes about it a totally different way. You never hear about it, other than in kind of a fun-loving way. Yeah. In, in in that sense, he plays a, a fantastic career, wins all these rings, gets the brand, grows the brand, stays relatively quiet, if you will, in New York while he's playing baseball. All attention on playing the sport that he loves, the sport that's built his brand. Mm. When he retires at the age of 40, he actually has a big stake in the Players' Tribune. It's like, I think that's his. Like, it was one of his ideas. If I'm not, is that right? I feel like I'm right on that. We're going to look that up. But I think Players' Tribune is a big thing that Jeter helped do, or he's somehow involved in it. And then he goes and purchases the Miami Marlins, and now he's going to be an owner. And then you know what else he did? And he, this is not right, probably in sequential order, but he got married to a model. Yeah. You know, he did all these things after playing, you know? And I, was just, I just feel like if you want to be one of the greatest, and Derek Jeter is, yes. he goes down as one of the great Yankees. You have to worry about doing that stuff. It's hard enough as it is. And I think there's no athlete that's done it better Ooh. on a bigger stage if you add it all up than Derek Jeter, quite frankly. Right. And I'm not supposed to say nice things about Derek Jeter. I hate the damn Yankees. Yeah. But, By the way, he, he does own. He was found, he was the founder of the Players. I thought team. so. I thought that was right. I didn't want to speak out of turn, but I thought he was the founder. Okay, Brent, but let's be and honest. By the way, though. I love the Players' Tribune. It was a great idea. I think it was a, um, yeah. just a fantastic idea. Let's be honest here, though. Let's turn back the clocks a little bit. Let's go back in time. Let's go back to my childhood. Let's go back to Stewart's childhood. I get it. Derek Jeter has all the respect. He has my 100% utmost respect. I think everybody would say that. But people weren't playing Derek Jeter's home run derby. 
people weren't that weren't New Yankees fans were buying Derek Jeter jerseys. We were buying Ken Griffey Jr. jerseys. We were buying Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, Barry Bonds, because those were the big names. Those were the guys that you saw in the commercials. Those were the guys on the cereal boxes. Those were the guys that you could identify with. Not to knock on Derek Jeter whatsoever, but I'm just saying I understand what you're saying where he handled his career the best, but from the perspective of being that household name, was he really the top one when he was coming up playing at the high level? I'm a little curious as to how different it would be, too, if he was playing right now. Like, I feel like in five years, so much has changed just with social media and people getting their names out there and the constant presence of you being in their minds and trying to push, 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 push. Whereas literally five years ago when he retired, it was a whole different world. I I, I agree with that. That's not... It's How often? Wrong. I feel like he might have been on the back pages more often uh, in this day of social social media. Yeah, I, I mean it has changed even in the five years. You're right. Uh, it's still been a little wild and crazy in New York, man. You know, you know oh, they yeah. had people attached. They had reporters that had to follow around Jeter, most likely. Like yeah. you, you know, that's well, what they did. So, they, had a, they had a reporter that just followed around George Steinbrenner in New York. Yeah. I mean, back in the day, they would do that probably to Jeter too. They're trying to get dirt. Now, did they have as much TMZ? Did they have? That's a fair point. And and to your point, it's not a bad one. Could he have actually? Uh, well, could he have actually uh, earned more money, more fame than he already had had? Could he have pounced yeah. on pounced on that a little bit more? Yeah, probably. You're right. But then he would have given something up. And you know what giving something up would have been? Maybe hurt his brand as a baseball player in a 100% Hall of Famer coming up in the next year. No, I agree with that completely. But it's like, let's take Mike Trout, for example. And now, granted, Mike Trout plays on the West Coast, so I don't think he has as much pressure as playing in New York City. But Mike Trout is arguably probably the greatest baseball player right now uh, of his time. That's probably not even arguable. Yeah, and no one really talks about him. And I feel kind of the same thing with with Derek Jeter a little bit, where when Derek Jeter was really at his prime in Grand Navis, position that he played he wasn't known as the home run hitter you know as some of the other guys that he played with were yeah but i think it depends what you want to get out of the game you know do you want to get those cereal boxes do you want to get those video games well then you do it you know way number a and you you be this flashy kind of baseball player or do you want to go underneath the radar build yourself a legacy and get the respect of, of the fans and you know your, your peers then you do it Derek jeter's way I'm, I'm not saying there's a right and a wrong way i think Derek jeter's approach is a lot better to do because i think longevity is there but i'm not going to fault a baseball player for for wanting the money you know up front and wanting to get all all the endorsements and everything like that it it gives you one one thing i think you're right about but do you know how many things he probably turned down you know millions i mean like like you just brought up cereal boxes we we very well could have been playing Derek jeter's baseball instead of king griffey baseball we could have that's my yes yeah you know maybe he just opted to say you know what i don't want all that right but i think a lot of it had to do with ken griffey and just the swag that he brought in and being able to hit the home run ball but i think i think stewart's point maybe it's not ken griffey yeah but maybe it's you know three years earlier or three years later or somewhere else so yeah i don't know it just i this goes back to lebron james the taco tuesday thing which is a little silly in itself but at the same time i get the sense now as a guy who really i like lebron james he's one of my favorite athletes he really is Mm -hmm. i've I've bragged about lebron james i think he handles his business uh from you don't see him in the back pages much you don't see him tmz a a lot you Mm -hmm. oh they probably try to make something up but he's just not plastered all over there he does so many good things for Akron and Cleveland and, and all these different groups. I mean, yeah. it's it's fantastic what he does. 
I just think he has sidetracked himself a little bit at this stage of his career by the whole business side of it. So I, that's what I get the sense of in the last couple of years, the move to L.A., the Taco Tuesday, the barbershop thing. I think he's got a. I would rather see him as a fan of LeBron and want to build that legacy into is he as good as Jordan? Is he the second best player, the third best player of all time? I want to see him just play basketball for two or three years and then go do that other stuff. See, and I totally understand that, Brent, but at the same time, I think being a professional athlete nowadays compared to when when Jita was in his prime is that the role of a professional athlete has changed. The expectations have changed now. If you look at the landscape of just, you know, the, the social media and the landscape of just the world in general, we turn to professional athletes now to be leaders. We turn to professional athletes to kind of lead us if there's like a racial injustice. We want those guys to speak out on it. And that's where like his barbershop show comes into play. You know, a lot of that I think was started from the fact that he, he, the, he wants to be more than yeah. an athlete, you know, and I forgot who the, who the lady, I think Laura Ingram or I think I, it I don't was. Know, I think, yeah, when she said just shut up and play basketball. Well, yeah. LeBron dribble, James, right? is, uh, thank yeah. you, yeah, shut up and dribble. And LeBron James took offense to that. I think that's what kind of drove him to start these more endeavors to get the conversation started. So I get what you're saying there but at the same time we got to remember that we ask a lot more than we did back then with professional athletes that's a very good point very good point there and, and something that used to people not would knock uh, tiger woods about is he wouldn't yeah. take a stand and you do have a stand being taken a little bit more lebron james uh whether some gr- agree or not yeah. agree he's doing it so. now space jam too on the other hand in la like <laughs> that that, that's that's, the, that that's not fighting racial injustice <laughs> hate to tell you i mean uh, 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 bug, bug, bug buddy's doing something but it just as important perspective. It needs to happen. Yeah. Let's go. Hey, fantasy football, uh, do I play Cam Newton tonight against you or Jared Goff? Who are you more afraid of? That's a good oh, question. That is a good question. Let's think about it over the break. Goff no, and, and the, the Saints. And, and we actually are on a break. So hey. uh, Carolina's hey. playing Tampa tonight. Yep. I'll tell you what, on paper, this is a brutal game for yeah, Thursday night football. Yeah. Right? It's like, did somebody pay them to take this game? Have you seen the Thursday night commercials yes. like that hype up the game where it's like the, the fans talk its match yeah, to each yeah, other? Yeah. Dude, we got to get... Can I volunteer for the, for the Titans game? Can I volunteer to be the guy? It. Yeah. Hey, by the way... I'll just be eating mayo the entire Mitch time. Mania. Let's do we it. We should be in the open. We should definitely be in the opener. Yeah. More Minshew Mania coming up, and we're talking about practice. Should the, ta- should the Jaguars practice tackling? They did it today. Should we see it more? What's the issue with tackling? Austin tackles that. Coming up next on ESPN 690. And Rhino Halloran joins us. They just did the Sports Center update. We were saying, I don't want to speak uh, no ill will toward the fine folks of Serbia. But how do we lose to Serbia in basketball? Yeah. I mean, I, they're supposed to be pretty good, right? Yes. No, are they? no really. Yes. Like you just yes, said, they like, are. That people, was ex- predicted- people predicted that to be the championship match. USA versus Serbia. Boy, we were far away away from the Dream Team in 1992, man. Oh, you're not lying. I mean, we lost back-to-back games. You know, Serbia was up 25 points in that game. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm seeing Serbian, Serbia's roster right now, and you're they right. They have, it's pretty. It's good roster. They, I'm just saying. They it, have it, the Joker. They got the Bogdanovic. They're the, the, the brothers, right? There's two of them. Bogdanovic, yeah. Who's right? They're, they're brothers, or they're related? Yeah, well, they, it, they're, yes. they're both from Serbia. They're both from Serbia. They're Does both. That help? Yeah, and they both filled the stat columns with the Pacers and whoever else. I think the Kings was the other guy was on. Listen, if we had told the 1992 Dream Team that in 2019 the United States is going to lose an international event to Serbia. No, of course not. Vince Carter had been dunking over everybody. 
Not a good look for USA. No. Hey, uh, this is always a good look. It's Vita DeLuise time. Happy hour horde time on a Thursday. Mitchu Manias hit Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Drink, get a shot, sip your star tenders, because we're all celebrating Winshoe Mania. Oh, Vita DeLuise recently got a 94 rating. Locally owned tequila right here in Jacksville, made in Tequila, Mexico. Shipped directly to Jack's Beach. For locations, recipes, and merchandise, visit VitaDeLuise.com. Drink responsibly. Once again, uh, Vita DeLuise will be a part of our Action Sports Jack's Dream 18. We'll also have live oak whiskey out there, carved craft vodka as well. Uh, we've got a big party coming up on Monday at the Action Sports Jack's Dream 18. Hopefully the weather stays away with this latest mm. tropical development, but it's coming up Monday at the golf club at Southampton. Hey, thanks for staying on the line to Ryan O'Halloran from the Denver Post. He's hanging out uh, with us at 5 o'clock on a Thursday. Minshew Mania, I hope you didn't check out the video feeds because you might not want to talk to us, Ryan. Well, you look ridiculous, but I love it. <laughs> hey, we, you've been around here long enough. You got to find some fun after forty to twenty six. Your captain gets thrown out of a game for a, a punch. You give up forty to the Kansas City Chiefs and can't stop anybody. Lose your franchise quarterback, the eighty eight million dollar man. Got to find a way to have some fun. Yeah, I mean, you know, the the, the, the props usually haven't been busted up until around early November in the Jaguars beat, but but a total system breakdown in all phases on Sunday. Um, I figured it was going to be a tough matchup. I did not expect. 40 points, and Mahomes have 300 yards at halftime. But maybe this defense isn't as good as they say they are. Yeah, Ryan O'Halloran from the Denver Post covers the Broncos, all things NFL, really, on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. joins us weekly. Hey, Ryan, oh, I, I've said this a couple times over the weekend, and I, I put it on a trivia question. We even talked about it in the topic, and I feel like I might have left you guys out. I said, who had the most disappointing season opener? And I excluded the Dolphins because they don't have any ho- hopes. Everybody else had hopes in this list, like uh, the Cleveland Browns, Chicago Bears, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I always forget the fourth team. Who else did I list? Uh, Bears, Browns, Jaguars, and Steelers. Steelers. And yeah, yeah, but I yeah. probably could have put the Broncos on that list. That was very disappointing. I thought they were going to beat Oakland, and Oakland really schooled them. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's inexcusable to come out the way they did. Um, they weren't ready to play. That falls on the head coach. It's been an interesting week for Vic. You know, how can he rally his guys and avoid zero and two for the first time here since uh, at least over a decade? You know. You mentioned those teams that had week one duds. Jaguars, I thought that was a bad matchup. And then plus there was an injury. Uh, the Steelers, inexcusable. Uh, they didn't look like they were going to be able to stop anybody for at least a little while. But I go back to Cleveland. Uh, there were a lot of expectations internally. They told you about them all off season, And they come out, and this is not a great Tennessee team. Um, and they're, they're going to show that. But to get blown out by the Titans – I don't think we're going to see Jim and Tony in the booth at uh, Cleveland anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we know that feeling. 
<laughs> Ryan, so I think the Broncos and, and the Jaguars have a little bit in common here because coming off that Chiefs uh, loss, a lot of people are saying, you know, the, the, the Jaguars defensive line, which is supposed to be the, their strongest unit on defense, didn't get a sack, didn't get a lot of QB pressures, um, you know, wasn't in the backfield a lot. And I can compare that to the Broncos right now uh, against the Raiders where Von Miller didn't register a sack, uh, Chubb didn't as well. I mean, are, are we kind of in the same boat now? Because I'm telling people, listen, you shouldn't panic too much about the defensive line and you shouldn't panic about their defense in general going into week two against the Texans. I mean, is there a lot of panic right now in Denver getting ready to play the Bears? Uh, well, there's not yet. Uh, but, you know, the thing about the thing about teams who throw quick, well, the reason they're throwing quick is guys are open. It means you got to cover better. I mean, it works hand-in-hand, rush and cover. That's why it's a cliche because it's true. You know, you look at the Jaguars, Mahomes is always going to try and make things happen. and He's got a whole bunch of weapons. Uh, you look at uh, Derek Carr, you know, is, is, you know, Von Miller didn't really have a chance. Mm-hmm. You know, because here's the thing, and this is what pass rush impacts. Oakland had was 10 of 14 on third down. Eight of those conversions were third or three or less. So they could have a run pass on any of those third downs. They took advantage of that, um, and, and they held the ball for a long time in that first half while building a big lead. So, you know, I think Houston is the best case, is the best elixir for this Jaguar pass rush because. You know, they, it's like they don't have a GM. Oh, wait, they don't. And, <laughs> and I mean, you, you almost you see Deshaun Watson just get beaten to a pulp in the opening game. If I'm the Jaguars, I'm looking at this game like it could be a repeat of two years ago. And that's what it should be, is you get the sacks, you get the takeaways, you put your offense in a position to succeed. Ryan O'Halloran with us from the Denver Post. Uh, I do want to ask you about your game a little bit, because should we be giving credit to John Gruden? I mean... That looked like a masterful game plan, just like I think we, we talk so much about the Jags around here. Andy Reid looked like a genius the other day. I don't know if he called a bad play, and I thought Gruden had a lot of that in him. Uh, I'm not comparing the two as head coaches, at least this stint for Gruden. I'm just saying that night it looked like he called every play correctly, and I think you have to give Derek Carr a lot of uh, credit, too. I mean, the guy played fantastic on Monday night. Yeah, I thought I thought Gruden was great, and I give a lot of credit to Greg Olson, the, the former coordinator in Jacksonville, because – you know, one thing they wanted to do is they wanted to, they wanted to keep the Broncos in their base defense as much as possible and, and keep Chris Harris out of the slot, which I think he's probably the best nickel corner in the league. Keep him outside. They didn't even bother throwing at Chris. They they picked on Isaac Yadam, who's a second-year player, with a tight end, with a receiver. So they probed the matchups. And then when it came down to it, Josh Jacobs, the rookie from Alabama, you know, gained a lot of yards in the run game. Didn't have a great per carry average, but he's able to keep the chains moving and stay ahead of the chains on first down. So I would agree. I thought John Gruden called a great game. And Andy Reid, you know, in the regular season, he's one of the best play callers out there because he has so many weapons and he's not afraid to have a lot of volume because his quarterback can handle it. Well, Sam Darnold in New York goes out with mono, uh, and there's a story now circulating around this Monday night football game where Odell Beckham Jr. says defensive coordinator Greg Williams, who was in Cleveland last year, teaches cheap cheap shots. Now, what? What's your take on that with players kind of saying something like that? Keep in mind, Odell Beckham Jr. was in New York last year. So it was almost like Odell Beckham Jr. is trying to take a cheap shot at Greg Williams, although Williams with Bounty Gate in the New Orleans situation. Uh, boy, the New York Jets already seem a mess, don't they? Yeah, and, you know, Beckham was, was in that part of the country during Bounty Gate, and Greg Williams was suspended for a year. And one of his favorite scenes when I covered him with the Redskins was deliver remember me shots. And that was to his safeties and corners. So, um, you know, 
the verbal volley, the verbal back and forth. I love it. Uh, but the Jets right now, you, you know, I would throw them on that list of disappointing Week One teams. They forced four turnovers in the first half, yet led only six nothing. Then they let Josh Allen beat them in the second half. That did have the same old Jets feel to it. Um, Le'Veon Bell banged up already. Sam Darnold out for a couple weeks. I mean, the Jets with their schedule, they could be looking at 0-6, 1-5. Wow. Let me ask you about tonight's game. Uh, Tampa Bay, Carolina, not necessarily a marquee matchup, uh, Mm -hmm. but uh, what does this mean for Jameis Winston, and what could it mean for Carolina? This is a game they really need to get. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. Carolina, you know, you had to dot at home themselves, losing to the Rams. Cam did not look good. You know, I, I had most of the 49er Buccaneer game on when I got to the Bay Area on Sunday. James looked terrible. Um, and he's fortunate there's not a tried and true backup behind him because if you're Bruce Arians and with a quarterback in the last year of his deal, you may say, hey, enough. I'm going to bite the bullet this year and see what I have for the future. Well, Blank Gabbard's the backup, and he's hurt. So Jameis is going to have a, a very long uh, you know, a line to try and prove himself. But two pick sixes, more turnovers, uncomfortable in the pocket. I think tonight's a big game for him just from a confidence standpoint because if he keeps going this direction, players are going to lose belief in the guy, and you know they should be doubting it already. And they, you know, Bruce Arians, he, he, he forgot for honest sake, he named his own book the Quarterback Whisperer. Well, he obviously has confidence he can fix Jameis, but at some point you got to cut your losses. I think tonight's big for both Cam and Jameis to see, okay, what team can get the one on one, and what, uh, and, and the other team is zero two and saying, okay, now what? Pick six is an uncomfortable in the pocket. Kind of sounds like he's been learning from Blaine Gabbert a little bit there, Ryan. <laughs> uh, well, Blaine had Blaine. I give Blaine credit. He knows how to learn offense, so he's getting paychecks. But I, I did like from from personally. I do like Jameis's turnover streak continuing because he's edged he, he's edged above my guy Blake Bortles in terms of number of turnovers. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's that's Stuart Weber by the way that jumped in. Now back to you, Austin Lane. What you got? You checking on your fantasy team? You scored like 200 points in fantasy football. Yeah, I did. It was a statement game. We'll get into that later. I, I'm gonna ask uh, Ryan. It wouldn't be traditional unless I don't ask about Antonio Brown. It seems like every single week it's something new, and now we have the case where Antonio Brown goes in New England, and I think from the Patriots standpoint, you know, set aside from all the BS that's going on right now, so set aside from all these crazy allegations that are kind of disturbing to say the least, but I'm saying from a football standpoint, I think it's a great signing by the Patriots because you know, Antonio Brown has to play by their rules or it's the highway. Brent doesn't think mm-hmm. it's a really great signing in terms of distractions. What say you? I mean, is, is it a good signing for the Patriots or one that probably doesn't warrant all the distractions? Well, from a football standpoint, over the weekend, you're saying, okay, this this is a great signing because he is probably one of the top two or three receivers in, in the league. Then you couple that with Josh Gordon looking unstoppable on Sunday night. Okay, how are the Patriots going to lose if Antonio Brown cares? That said, he's got to remain eligible to play. It's a long way until Sunday. You haven't heard anything from the commissioner's office yet about this investigation. It may take a while, but... You know, this is this is an organization that acquired Randy Moss when his reputation was at lowest point in 2007. They almost went 19 and 0. They had a murderer in the locker room, and Aaron Hernandez didn't know about it. Yet they're able to still win games. So, this is an organization that prides itself on handling different personalities. I think Antonio Brown will fall in line because he has a one-year deal. I'm sure there's very little guaranteed money. I don't care about the signing bonus. It's probably more of a roster bonus than anything. So, if if he is eligible and engaged. I think this is an offense that's going to be tough to stop. Yeah, I mean, you have to at least appreciate they don't really give a you-know-what about anybody else mm-hmm. and what they think. I mean, yeah. they're Patrick Chung, the cocaine charge over the over the last month or so. I mean, they just like well, – hey, look, 
Look at the owner. <laughs> well, I was going to bring that up. I mean, the last year, they just like, hey, we're going to get another Lombardi, okay? That's what we... We want. That's what history is going to say at the end of the day. Um, I don't really like it. I don't think they'll do well with this. I think the toxic nature nature of Antonio Brown will will rear its ugly head. Let me ask you. You know this very well. Uh, Antonio Brown. They said will not talk this week. Does he have to? Well, uh, you give a little bit of a grace period. If he does it next week, then then it's up to the Patriots media to file a complaint because part of the standard NFL contract is cooperating with the media. Um, you know, I, I you know just you know this is what bugs me about NFL teams. They make a one day story a one week story. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. that's where I give the Jaguars a, a tip of the hat is they had Miles Jack talk after the game on Sunday when he got ejected. Okay, that's a one day story. The next day, everything was about Minshew. That's how you handle this thing from a PR perspective. You don't let it fester and. All of a sudden, you're having to write stories about such and such, still not addressing the topic at hand. So, uh, and that's where I think, you know, NFL teams do not know how to put out correct, uh, you know, good statements, and they sometimes try, sometimes don't know how to get in, out of their own way in terms of controversy. Yeah, well said, Rhino Halloran from the Denver Post. Uh, one last question for you, man. Uh, week one to week two. Week one can be very arbitrary in terms of how it looks, how it plays out, who wins, who loses, the styles, and what it really means in the course of the season. How much do you think week two really levels that out and says, okay, these are the teams that we're going to see for the most part in 2019? Well, I think it does go a long way because, you know, the history is there. 0-2 is a pretty big hole. And, you know, those teams, that means you basically have to win 10 out of your last 14 to make the playoffs. That's really tough in a parity-driven league like in the NFL. And, you know, that old cliche, your biggest improvement from week one to week two. That's probably tr- the truth because the play callers have had a full game with their personnel. Guys are probably in a little bit better condition this week having to survive week one and playing 65 plays. So I think you're going to see a lot of good games this week. But also, week one reveals itself. What you got week two is a semi-reveal, semi-confirm. Yeah, very well said. Uh, Rhino Hallen from the Denver Post. Uh, have fun with the game this week. We'll see what happens with the Denver Broncos. By the way, if Gardner Minshew leads the Jaguars to a win in Houston, you've got to come on the show next week, and I don't know if you can even show a picture or not, but it's got to be a cutoff shirt. It's got to be the aviator glasses, a bandana, a little mustache. I mean, it's just the way it's got to be, man. you got to join Minshew Mania. Well, the, the, the other stuff is fine. You know, the, the, nobody wants to see the cutoff T-shirt. <laughs> so Have a good week, bud. And we're uh, only a couple of weeks away from seeing you out in Denver yeah. when the Jaguars uh, play the Broncos. Have a good weekend. Uh, Rhino Hallen from the Denver Post. Take care, fellas. Thanks. All right. Uh, all right. When we come back, uh, more talk about Minshew Mania. Let's get back on it. And I didn't ask Ryan. We'll run out of time a little bit. But I want to ask you, tackling in practice. What is this? Does it mean something? I mean, what about tackling in general early part of the season? You've played the sport. <laughs> yeah. The rules have changed. And you played, by the way, in both rules before the CBA, after the CBA, right? Correct. So is that an excuse? Is it reality when so many teams are missing tackles early in the season like the Jaguars did on Sunday? We're going to talk about that next on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 as Minshew Mania rolls on on a Thursday. So I just walked down the hall to get the coffee, warmed up a little bit, yep. and just wasn't really thinking. You know, now I'm, in, I'm like, this Dude, is you're, me. You're Embrace it, man. I'm telling yeah. you. Full thinking. character. Start doing some squats, man. I'm I got some you. folks down the hall like, it is one of the little double take. 
And, and then somebody else goes by while I'm waiting for the uh, the coffee to warm up in the microwave. And yeah. it's almost like that guy, he thinks that's this is who I am. No, for sure. Like, he, he, just, he wasn't like a double take. Yeah. This He'd never seen me before, and he yeah. just was like... All right. All right. Well, here we go. That's kind of thought about sort of our landscape. Like I said, our landscaper outside. I mean, I see him pretty much every single day when I leave for the show, and he was outside, and all of a sudden I'm just rocking this, and <laughs> goes, what's up, man? And I literally just said, what's up? And I, I didn't explain to it. I didn't justify. It. I'm just like, this is who I am now. Accept me. So. What do you think, Gardner Minshew? Proud of us today? Hmm. Is Gardner Minshew proud of us? I mean, do you think we're rocking this all right? But here's the thing, man. If you're a true Gardner Minshew believer, you don't care what Gardner Minshew thinks because you believe in yourself, right? Ah, very good. Good point. So that was a trick question. I like that. I see what you did there. Yeah, I like that a lot. And I passed with flying colors. You certainly did. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane, Minshew Mania has hit it big time here at Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Coos just looks like Coos, and Action Sports Jacks, <laughs> Stuart Weber just looks like Stuart Weber. Yeah. I, don't, I don't have a camera. Yeah, what? you don't have a camera. We gotta work on that. When I get a camera, I'll dress One up of these with the skits. One of these days. We uh, haven't hit like the magic. Do you wanna come button. sit in my chair? You know when you uh well, no, I'd need an outfit. You know when you're trying to like raise money and you have like a goal? Yeah, okay, and you got the thermometer? Sure. Right? Yeah. Or or whatever it might be, and yeah. it keeps going up and up and up. Somewhere along the line, we here at ESPN six ninety haven't hit the thermometer. Because once we reach our goal, maybe we get a third camera. <laughs> Can we get a TV though too? That, that's a different thermometer gauge. <laughs> I'd fill that one thing fill at a time one first. What one, one, one thing you at a time? TV is huh? more important. TV is more important. I might just go buy the TV then. Brent, I mean, what do you want? I told you I'd bring the TV in here. I literally my second day on, on the job. I brought brackets in here to hang it up, but unfortunately the sound wall thing yeah, yeah, you yeah. can't drill into. Give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you think no. Gardner Minshew cares about soundproof walls and stuff? No. See, Coos is taking this personal. It's not about Coos. Coos done a fantastic job. Coos got his computer in here now. We got tight shots on the Minshew Mania look. Yeah, it's but you can't different. see my shorts, but it's all right, though. You can, we good. saw you squat on the oh, video know, earlier, dude. and look that at, was dude, disgusting. I mean, the range of motion oh, boy. is that absolutely gross. ridiculous. Grow, come on, man. You want me to grow up, the, Point the camera down a little bit? No, no, What's up? You guys don't like getting ratings? You guys don't like getting views? Well, yeah. I'm, I'm watching, the, I'm watching the, the numbers and they are dropping off. Mixer a cliff would be off the charts right now. Right now. Wait, I, that'd be another kind of a video. You need a cup check. <laughs> <laughs> We've already been banned from Mixer. The the, uh, oh, yeah. the the Minshew jockstrap story is different. Yes. In the locker room. Oh, Go read those. Thank goodness we didn't try that. Yeah, I thought about it. <laughs> Probably for the best. How long did you think about it? Yeah, hopefully not very long. Uh, I, I dwelled on it for a, a minute. Yeah. All right, I've been asking this question all day and not answering it. Practice tackling. Yeah. They were going to go live and practice today at the tackling. Now, not bring to the ground, but more than they normally do and, and, and unusual. Uh, they don't really do that this time of year mm-hmm. um, in practice. So... What does that mean? Uh, is that a good message? Like you are talking before about messages and discipline. Is this a good message about tackling that Todd Wash is going to have a little bit of live tackling in practice today? So this kind of contradicts what I came in here and said on Monday, right, where I said if you're a football team and you're running the show, you can't go from being a, a laid-back environment to trying to increase the tempo all of a sudden, you know, to try to pull the reins a little more. You can't do that. It's easy to go the other way where you have a, a hard environment and then you ease up during the middle of the season. This is exactly the opposite. Opposite. But what I think you have here is you have a coach. Um, I'm not sure if it's more of a head coach thing or a DC thing, but whoever is making the calls is trying to send a point to that team. And the point is, you guys need to tackle better. Um, you guys got embarrassed against Kansas City, and 
I don't think that's actually the bad call to do here because I think the team's going to embrace this, Brent. The team's going to take this to heart because they know. You know, you saw with Jalen Ramsey. When Jalen Ramsey was giving his interview, um, he seemed like a guy who, number one, matured a little bit and was facing the tough questions, but he also understood that they didn't play well. So I think if you understand that, you have to do whatever it takes. And if you have to tackle during the week, then tackle during the week. And this week, it makes a lot more sense to do it than, say, next week when you're on a short week. Because you, you got that Thursday game coming up right after yeah. this one on Sunday. It'll be so very, it, no physical at nothing, all. Nothing, nothing right. at all. So if you're going to do it, now's the time. Yeah, very good point there. Uh, how much do you think, seriously, now as we as we look back, and I think other teams have this issue. I, I brought up the point, the T.Y. Hilton touchdown. Uh, we were watching, I think, in the sports office on Sunday. Uh, they They missed that tackle the Chargers did twofold one guy whiffed and one guy just missed the tackle and it was bad i mean ty hilton should never have scored on that play should have been pushed out of bounds at like a two-yard game is it a league epidemic ever since the new cba and all the rule changes did you have you noticed a difference when you played in those early years versus playing now at how well people tackle uh i would say more specifically early in the year but just in general during the year now, do you mean in regard to when you're talking about the CBA, are you talking about how much they're allowed to hit during training camp, or are you talking about the changing rules for how you're supposed to tackle during a game with the concerns of these 15-yard penalties and these getting ejected penalties? I'm more concerned about the physical nature and how often you can practice okay. and hit in yeah. general in practices. Because I think so both of those well, are you're right because of the uh, sparing yeah. and not being able to use your helmet, and, yeah. and it changes a little bit. But I think I'm more speaking to the CBA changes when you were a player, Austin. Mm-hmm. I think what was that 2012? Does that sound right? 2012, correct. Uh, that when there was the lockout for a little bit and everything. Part of that change was to loosen up practices, to yeah. not be as stringent. No two-a-day practices during camp. No uh, less uh, physical nature. I forget the exact rules. We've, we've spelled them out before, but it's like you can only hit like. Or, or have be in full pads like six well, times during the whole course of the regular season once the season starts. Or, and if I'm not mistaken, like I could have swore that we like had a penalty for OTAs where we went a little too aggressive, and we had Probably. we actually got a couple couple like, practices I think during you, you summer. You got an OTA taken away. Take something like that taken. Something was taken that, away. That's still not out of the nature. It'll be a penalty sometimes. It's yeah. A, to a team to take a practice away, which yeah. by the way players rejoice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but media too. Uh, yeah, me too. And sometimes even coaches. But uh, <laughs> but. What what I mean is it is it a problem is tackling a problem because of the way practices approach now once that new CBA and I'm not knocking the CBA maybe yeah. it's the right way to do it to, to no. for player safety yeah. but the the trickle down effect is maybe people can't tackle anymore no I I agree with you on this and listen it's it's hard for me to kind of put in words because like it's so generalized right like I'm trying to compare like a defensive lineman or a linebacker here. But when you're tackling somebody, the key to having a good tackle and taking someone to the ground is not hesitating. All right, you have to drive through him. If you even blink for a second, if you're like, I better make a business decision. No, then you've yeah. already lost. And that's you to know? Stewart's point a little bit. Yeah, because exa- you might get a flag or yeah. you might hurt but, yourself. Yeah. But, but I'm not talking about. Yeah, yeah. That's one thing. Like in the secondary, if there's a pass going up, I'm saying if the running backs come through the hole, you're the linebacker one on one. If you make that business decision, be like, I might lay up a little bit. You might get truck stick. You might miss it completely. Whatever it is, you're probably gonna be embarrassed so that's with what i think with training camp well especially the preseason games um that meant so much where you had to go live because not only is it uh conducive to you know getting you right mentally but it's also conducive to the proper techniques you know if, if you're just if you're going through a team period right like we saw during training camp here if you're going through a team period and you're just tapping on the hip 
Well, that's going to eventually teach you bad habits because it's all about muscle memory. We're creatures of habit. If you're used to tapping on the hip, tapping on the hip, tapping on the hip, what's going to happen if you go to the game? You're going to tap on the hip. You're not going to go through them all. And, and I get it. Yeah, you have to raise your stakes when you're in a game. But it's the same thing, Brent. You know, I think where if you don't play the guys in the preseason, if you don't get them those reps, well, they have to have some time to get conditioned, to get mentally prepared to make that hit. And we've seen that they haven't really done that. A lot of teams haven't done that. I'm not just picking on the Jaguars here. But I think there is something to be said when you don't practice tackling during training camp or you don't get the guys in the preseason tackling a little bit. That's going to that's gonna leave effect, especially the first couple weeks. I guess yeah, I was going to say the second part of that question is when does it wear off? When does it become second nature again? Okay, I'm running around. I'm playing. Keep in mind, the Jags, we might look back, and one of the fascinating things about the NFL is how the storyline changes, not only week to week, but I think once every three weeks or once every month or maybe it's once every six weeks. What we're talking about now, we might be talking about totally something different, and we may look up in six weeks, maybe even in ten weeks and say, well, of course the Jaguars didn't tackle well. This is one of the best offenses that – you might ever see in Kansas City, they're a hard team to tackle, especially right off the rip, yeah, right yeah. to start the season. But the overall point is, generally across the NFL, how long do, does this linger? Will we see better tackling this week? Will we see better tackling in week three? Will it take five weeks for better tackling? Because I think it was a league-wide deal that I saw in the games that I watched. I thought tackling was a miss uh, yeah. for most teams. It wasn't just the Jags. Yeah, I mean, I think if we're speaking like you know on, on a team-by-team basis, I think it takes at least two or three weeks to get your body acclimated to get your mind acclimated to play in game again now some guys maybe it's only one game you know some guys it's one game you get embarrassed it's like listen that was bad we got to step it up a little bit so i mean i think it varies team by team but i wouldn't be surprised week two and especially week three where we see an improvement on tackling if you're talking about muscle memory i wonder if there's any sort of advantage for the guys who are fresh out of college because in college it's not like that at all i mean you're you could speak to it, Austin, where yeah. it's a lot more live. It's a lot more you're hitting because your coach has 120 whatever guys on the roster. You're going to hit. Well, and, and, especially, and you're not making business decisions. You're having to go out there and prove yourself every second of the day. Well, and especially during like, like a training camp, right? Sure. Like if, if you're in the summer and you're on a college team, yeah, you're, you're going to go live. You know, you're, you're going to hit. Now, I think schools are starting to take the reins off yeah, a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Some schools are. I'll tell you what, I don't think Alabama is. Right. Alabama has always been one of the, the most fundamentally best hitting teams in the country. Well, that's for a reason. Yeah, they and do it all year long. They, they do it all year long. Now, that's to say you have to you have to plan it accordingly. You just can't tackle full speed throughout the entire season during practice because that's how guys get hurt because guys' bodies get worn down during the season. It's about finding that right balance. You know, um, like, like Stuart mentioned here, they, they had a game coming up here Thursday against Tennessee. You're not going to see a lot of hitting during them because you have to take care of guys' bodies. But if it's the start of the, the couple weeks or so, the start of the season, then, yeah, you have to do it. And by that time, you hope when it's week 9, week 10, muscle memory has kicked in. You remember how to hit. You don't have to worry about it anymore. Yeah, you think muscle memory when you were going there. I was thinking back to you think about the college guys. That's how much muscle memory does play a factor sometimes out on the field. How many times do we see early on the college guy, a rookie, will not touch a player down because he thinks the player is down? Or even a receiver might not get up because he's down in college like that, which is a stupid rule. that's, That's one of the things I hate about sports. Very few things I hate about sports. But I think from a rules standpoint, I don't understand why we don't play the same rules all across to help build. I, I don't, it's like I hate high school basketball in this state. 
not I hate it in general, but I hate the fact that they yeah. don't use a shot clock. How do you not use a shot clock? What is this, 1942? I mean, in Indiana? I mean, come on. Play at four corners. What, what are we doing here? Yeah. It's not that expensive to buy a shot clock. I mean, I know things are costly, but come on. You can buy a shot clock, and we can keep a 35-second clock in high school basketball. Why do we have different rules in college football compared to the NFL when those guys are graduating to that next level, or some of them are, uh, but we do see that sometimes. It's funny you say that because high school football, especially in the state of Florida, has instituted that play clock. Uh, they have. They have. Now, not every school has a play clock, but the refs are now the ref doing comp. the hand yeah. signals and the, the saying things out loud. So they're... They're moving that way in football. I'd imagine they got to do it in basketball at some point. Yeah. And then getting back to the point of muscle memory real quick here, and Stuart mentioned, you know, college players come to the NFL. When you go to a training camp or you go to a practice or an OTAs, who are the guys that are usually getting yelled at for going a little bit too hard? Yeah, the point. guys that are wrapping up. And we saw hard knocks. You guys watched any bit of hard knocks. You saw a guy by the name of Jonathan Abram, you know, who John Gruden made an example of and said, listen, you can't go hard like this. You got to ease up, take it easy on your players. And that's just a prime example, you know, where the, the muscle memory has gone with them from college now to the pros where it's like we got to wrap up, we got to tackle here. That's not how the NFL works. You don't have to worry about him getting hurt, at least. Yeah, well, there oh, it is. Ooh. Combination of yeah, uh, that and trying right. to impress, right? Combination yeah. a little yeah. bit of both. Uh, uh, real quick, since I brought it up, uh, do you like the rule? What would you rather see the rule? You have to tackle to the ground and be touched down, or the college rule of if you're down and knee hits, you're down? What do you like? Uh, go ahead, Stuart. I like the touch. I like that a defensive player has to come and, and touch you down. Yeah, I do too. I don't, yeah. I don't get well, the What's the advent? Uh, am I missing something on the... If you're down, you're down. I'm not sure. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I think just from the, the touch perspective, yeah, I'm. I'm I feel the like touch if you're well. 20 yards behind the defense and you make a catch, a diving catch, uh, then get up and run. Get up and run. Well, I know, and I think like maybe part of it went into like well injuries, like you don't want a guy to go down, get back up, he gets depleted, but then you can just touch him, you know. So I don't know. I, I really don't understand yeah, that I, whole rule at all. I, it just kind of came up, so yeah. I'm like now thinking about it, and mm-hmm. I'm like, why does that even exist? Might have to That's Google it. That, that's how I scored my uh, my senior bowl touchdown um, because I it was a fumble I went to the ground thought I was down nobody touched me and DeAnthony Smith another former Jacksonville Jaguar literally had to pick me up and bear hug me into the end zone because I didn't you know I didn't know the rules NFL style rules in the senior bowl so time to celebrate baby time to celebrate also, yeah. can we talk about can we talk about fair catching kickoffs. I don't like that either. Well, that is a new safety rule instituted, rules. but that's definitely from a safety because they think that's the most dangerous play in football, yeah. the kickoff. Yeah. High so, school, high school, you can't even return it if it goes into the end zone. Uh, you know, Coach Sullivan and I will call the game again yeah. tomorrow. Uh, there'll be Westside and Jackson. We were talking about that last week. That's a goofy rule. Yeah. Like if you're going to be, you should if you're still a yard into the end zone, you should be able to return it. Never going to get a 101-yard kickoff return in high school football in Florida. You can't do it. Can't uh, do it. Absolutely not. All right, when we come back, let's take a look at tonight's game. Uh, Carolina and Tampa, how important of a game is this for those two? And maybe the two quarterbacks, especially, uh, especially Jameis Winston. Uh, we'll get a look at that and stay in your lane on the way. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. It's a Mitchell Mania Thursday. Would have been good alliteration if we did it on Monday. Maybe we'll do it again on Monday. Mandatory Minshew Mondays. I like Depends it. on what the mania is at. Jaguars All Access, by the way, tonight at Mellow Mushroom. I'm headed there after the show. Come join us at 7 o'clock. It will be on CBS 47. Calais Campbell, DJ Chark will be our guest. Let's get a big crowd out there at Mellow Mushroom in Avondale. And if you can't come out, check it out on TV on CBS 47. We're back with a little bit more radio right after this on ESPN 6 night. I was. I don't think anybody in our locker room was surprised by DJ's performance on Sunday. Uh, I think he has been doing that 
I don't want to, you know, from training camp on. I mean, you saw flashes in spring in the OTAs, uh, but I think from training camp on, he's he's a force to be reckoned with, especially down the field. I mean, that's a big man that can run fast. Uh, whenever you have those combinations, he can high point the football. I mean, he has a. He was covered on the touchdown. You never feel bad for the opponent, but I was like, man, you can't get any better better coverage than that. That's John DiFilippo, Jaguars offensive coordinator, and uh, he was talking about that touchdown play, and that was that was true. That was really good coverage, and it was a great throw. Dropped right in the bucket by Nick Foles and right into the hands of DJ Chark, and I liked how he described it because he kind of held off uh, the defensive back, and that's what receivers should do, young yeah. or old. But it was kind of a veteran type of move to put the body positioning between him and the ball and be able to get that thing and not have it knocked away because it looked good defense. Uh, Nick Foles' uh, comment real quick asked a little bit about Nick Foles today to John D. Filippo when we're down there and kind of what you can expect out of him because you know the deal. When guys get hurt, they kind of go. In the NFL, I mean, they just go rehab. They go in their own little world. Yeah, it's it's mean, hard to be part of the team. Yeah, and even when you try, like you're just not, you're not around the guys, so you're on the outside looking in. It's just it's it's kind of a weird scene. Yeah, yeah. and uh, he said, "Well, I texted him this morning, and I told him he's the assistant offensive coordinator, so he's going to be very present." Is yeah. my point in the Jaguars locker room, in the meeting rooms? I think on the sideline, I think he can see a lot. And D. Filippo had a good point. He's like, "Listen, if I don't utilize that resource, I'm a dummy." You yeah. know, for not, the guy's played in big games. He he knows our offense really well, mm-hmm. and he can help out Gardner Minshew. So it'll be a little bit different, is my point, than a, maybe another player that might be out for the year. Like Marquise Lee, I don't think, was that involved last year. And that's not a knock on Marquise. I think that's the way it goes when a guy's rehabbing and worried about his stuff. And, and we, again, we've talked about it at length before. A lot of guys get depressed when they get hurt because sure. they're away from it. The one difference here with Foles is he's coming back. Uh, you know, he has every plan to come back unless there's a setback. He'll be back in mid-November. So he has to stay in tuned and, and well, be around it all. And it's also very telling, too, we talk about John Filippo. you know, kind of utilizing Foles, you know, as an assistant offensive coordinator. But it's also Foles that's, you know, I mean, helping out Gardner Minshew as well. You know, I mean, I think that was very prevalent where when Nick Foles went to the locker room with the x-rays and everything, he wanted to go back and help Minshew out, you know, and I think that's very telling as well. And yeah, that's that's the quote-unquote being a good teammate and stories all this time, right? But I think sometimes where egos get involved a little bit where, you know, you're helping this guy that could... You know, I mean, I don't want to say take your job, but uh, if he has success, who's to say Foles goes back in, you know? So it's always a slippery slope there, but I think Foles is that great teammate where he's going to try to help Minshew as much as possible and make sure that he uh, plays to the best of his abilities. Uh, we will talk Carolina and Tampa uh, in just a moment. A quick Jags note I don't want to leave out, and this could have been balling. It, it could be anything, but it's definitely worth a note. Uh, the Pro Football Hall of Fame cycle is back in motion, mm-hmm. and that means the nominees are out. This is like the big list of nominees, and then it will get cut down to finalists, and that's what Tony Baselli's been on and had him knocking at the door at Canton, Ohio. But the names on the list that are former Jaguars right now, uh, Maurice Jones-Drew, Fred Taylor, Jimmy Smith, and, of course, Tony Baselli. So four of them on the big list mm-hmm. uh, as this process begins for another year, and we will find out in February of 2020 down in Miami at the Super Bowl uh, if any of them get deep into the process. Uh, we'll actually find out before then, and usually Baselli has been involved in that part of the process, and uh, we'll see if he once again is. Hopefully he is. Hopefully this is the year for Baselli, and then hopefully there's others that follow suit, like Fred, Jimmy. Uh, I don't know if Maurice Jones-Rue will really warrant Hall of Fame consideration down the road. I think 
the old from a fan base perspective, from an organization standpoint, from a wish list. I think it's let's get Paselli in that Hall of Fame, and then hopefully a Fred Taylor can follow suit. And and Jimmy Smith, I think, should have conversations about him too. So yeah. uh, we'll talk more about it down the road. How about tonight, Carolina Tampa? Yeah. How big of a game is this for Jameis Winston, do you think? Uh, he's oh, got to be the biggest target of it, and almost any player in the league, right? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a big game for both teams. Um, Jameis, yeah, you listen, it's been the same story for a long time with Jameis Winston. It's making the mistakes. It's making the you know the, the dumb throws. And I think the thought was that Bruce Arians could come in, who's kind of been the QB whisperer, and help Jameis out. And I get it. It's only one, it's only one game so far, but so far that hasn't been the case. And you, you look at a Tampa Bay Buccaneers team where they're not going to run the ball, Brent. Uh, but they have so many weapons, whether it's Godwin, whether it's Mike Evans, whether it's O.J. Howard, my fantasy team. O.J. Howard, step your game up a little bit for this game, please. Mm. Um, you know, they have so many weapons at, at, at James Winston's disposal. He just got to make the right decision with that. But also you got a guy like Cam Newton, Brent, who is playing for you tonight, I think, unless you change your mind and play Jared Goff. Uh, someone on against uh, the social Saints. media on Facebook or YouTube said I should play Goff. I'm going yeah. with Cam Newton. You know why I'm going with Cam Newton? Hit me with it. Because I just want to watch tonight. Yeah, it makes it a little might more not appealing, be the right? executive decision. That's the beauty of fantasy football. But I'm going to watch it, and I want to see it. All of a sudden, Panthers, Buccaneers, a little more intriguing, That's right? right? Because so, it's really not that intriguing. So here's the thing with the Panthers, Brennan, something that you should be a little cautious of. I, I'm not sure how hurt Cam Newton's ankle or foot is still hurt from the preseason, right? But there's been a tendency that I've seen watching, because I've, I've had Cam Newton before, too, on my team, and there's been a tendency of watching the Carolina Panthers when Cam Newton's hurt is that they limit the playbook down to absolutely zero. You know, when, when, when the Panthers... Panthers really hum when they used to have like Kelvin Benjamin, Devin Funches, Cam Newton was 100% healthy and he could beat you with his arm and his feet. Now, you know, he only got a couple rushes the last game and they're trying to limit him a little bit. Hopefully he can get turned loose here. Hopefully he's not seriously injured with that foot and he can kind of be that dual threat guy because that's when the offense really flows. Right now, all you're seeing is Greg Olson and then Christian McCaffrey, obviously. You're not seeing the full extent of that Panthers offense. They have a guy by the name of DJ Moore who's an explosive receiver. Curtis Samuel, another guy. Those guys aren't getting the ball right now because they're not using their full offense so hopefully they're a little less ten, you know a little less cautious with cam newton tonight and they come out and throw the whole arsenal at him is is cam newton going to be one of these guys that eventually is uh maybe has a similar storyline as andrew luck where he just get beat up too much and, yeah. and just can't have a prolonged, that means he's already had a well, decent, decent NFL yeah. career. I'm just saying as long as he would like maybe NFL career, especially at a high level, because I feel like for the last three years, all we've done is talk about injuries. With no, Cam absolutely. And as opposed to Andrew Luck, where Andrew Luck, when he couldn't run, he's still a true pocket passer. I don't think Cam Newton is a pocket passer. I think he, he depends on being that dual threat guy to get some of his receive or to get some of his passing numbers up, especially in the yardage portion. So if you're talking about a lot of injuries with Cam Newton, Brent, um, if he's that one dimensional, just got to stand back there and just kind of pat his feet a little bit and can't really move, can't be mobile, that limits him. And that sets him up for more injuries. So I, I completely agree with you. I, I wouldn't be surprised here, man, if we're talking the next two years where his body just starts shutting down uh, and he can't take it anymore because even though he is a bigger guy, he takes a lot of hits. Who do you like tonight? Go ahead and give me the Panthers. Um, the biggest story with the Panthers so far is their defense, actually, has been playing pretty well from the standpoint they've transferred from a, a legit 4-3 to a legit 3-4 now. And uh, I think their defense is playing legit. I think Jameis Winston keeps making mistakes. Go ahead and give me the Panthers. You? Uh, I like the Panthers to win the game. I like the Tampa Bay Bucks to cover. I think they'll play better. What's the spread? I didn't even see the spread. Tonight. I want to say it was like 6.5. Might have been 7.5. Yeah. 
uh, something yeah. like that. Okay. But I think the Bucks are going to play better is my point. Sure. I just think it might be a little hard to uh, to get over the hump and beat Carolina. A big game for Carolina. I don't know what Carolina is. I never know what they are. It's a really hard team to figure out. Yeah. And, and, you know, I remember the year they went 15-1 and into the Super Bowl. Every week I was like, I don't believe in them. I don't believe in them. Mm-hmm. And all they kept doing is winning. Win, 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 and it wasn't. Pre- it was almost Tennessee esque. Keep they're pounding, not, baby. That's why they got the. Yeah, they that's are, what they do. Like Keep t- pounding. Tennessee esque, yeah. you know, where they yeah. don't really like. Yeah, Keekley over the years been great. You know, McCaffrey. Yeah, he's good. Cam Newton mm-hmm. can be great. Uh, yeah. But you're still like, I'm not really sold on those guys. Yeah, and I, I'm not going all in on those guys. And then they find ways to win. So I really don't know what to expect. And that being said, I think they better win this football game if they're going to be something, especially in that division. Exactly. I mean, they start out 0-1-1, play a tough game against the Rams. I thought their defense showed up for the most part. But once again, Brent, we're talking about you know Cam Newton here, who shines on primetime. We're going to get a, a really good glimpse of if he's actually really hurt or if it was just kind of a fluke week one against the Rams. So hopefully Cam Newton can have a good night for you because I'm not playing you, so I don't really care. But uh, good luck to you and your fantasy endeavors. Uh, speaking of fantasy, uh, Kuz, do you have a question on the – Fantasy football. Yeah, we do. We've got some funny comments here, too. But uh, the, <laughs> I, I, I can imagine. What, what are they? Uh, they say said, how good I look? Someone said Austin would pull off a good uh, Tommy Chong. Tommy Chong. Cheech and Chong. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm in for that. Great, yeah. great version of the Christmas. Uh, what is it? Is it Santa Claus? Come? No, they just have a Christmas like album. Don't sure. They? Cheech and Chong. Yep. Yeah. Cheech and Chong up in smoke. Yeah. All right. Cool. <laughs> there you go. And then the other one, uh, someone said, I actually went to high school with uh, Minchu. He's an amazing guy. He made sure he had a connection with everybody on the team, which I'd assume is talking about the football team. Do you know uh, his sister was a, I think, Gatorade Player of the Year in the state of Mississippi in volleyball? Yeah. She plays at Mississippi State. Ring the bell. There we go, yep. Mississippi State. So, uh, good, yeah. good genes in the Minshew family. Gene. Speaking of the Minshew family, Later, sometimes the, the jeans are cut off. Yeah, shorts, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, and this, uh, you know, when I was prepping for my role today, Brent, of Gardner Minshew and going forward with the character, uh, I mean, a lifetime, really, if you think about it. <laughs> but uh, I was wondering this. I mean, and here's the biggest question. I had a tin of Skull Citrus I was going to put in this pocket right oh, here, yeah. but I don't know if Gardner Minshew chews or not. I think from I you think know, if you look growing like in the this, South, you better chew. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I don't advocate it, kids. No, 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 no. I'm not saying it's the right thing. He really should have his own line, right? It's like the last thing I'm missing in this. I know, right? And I was going to put it in my pocket, but I'm like, well, I don't want to insinuate he chews if he doesn't chew. I don't know. I have to ask him. I feel like you can't get, like, a perfect score on the Wonderlick and then chew as well. I don't know. That's we'll gonna, see. That's a good mis- mystery question. Yeah, we'll we'll figure it out. We'll All get right. to the bottom of it. All right, the fantasy question was, uh, should I start Baker Mayfield or Lamar this week? Oof. Don't you have to ride with Lamar? You have to roll with Lamar all day. So the, Lamar's playing the Arizona Cardinals. Fun Arizona game. for a great game. The Arizona Cardinals, though, this isn't your this isn't your Arizona Cardinals from a couple years ago with their solid defense and everything. We got Clayus Campbell now. Honey Badger's gone, and they're missing some guys well, in Peterson's their secondary game suspension. Exactly. So I think from that perspective, you got to roll with Lamar. And keep in mind with Lamar Jackson, only had about six rushing yards against Miami. You didn't even see a fraction of that new offense that they're going to uh, they're going to unveil. And I think when you got Hollywood Brown, quote unquote, maybe the fastest guy in the NFL right now, you have him at your disposal. You can go deep. I'm taking Lamar Jackson. If all day. you uh, could do it all over again, you would put that game. On Monday Night Football, you put the the Ravens and the the Cardinals. Yes, because I'd like to see that Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson. Okay, I got you. I mean, I, I, honestly, I'm, I'm intrigued by the Green Bay Packers and my, uh, Minnesota Vikings this would week. That, I, that's fine, but yeah. I'm talking no, entertainment I, value. Yeah. I watch those two quarterbacks. Heisman Trophy winners. 
But your argument with uh, the Monday night game was that they were too reactionary, right? Wouldn't that kind of still be reactionary to Kyler? Uh, probably because on? his first three quarters were terrible. Yeah. But mm -hmm. I, I could buy into that in the intrigue of those two kind of styles of play, especially given the way Lamar Jackson played in week one, mm -hmm. more than I can being sold on Cleveland and the New York Jets. Yeah. It's really less Cleveland than the Jets. I don't know what was so intriguing about the Jets other than the New York market, of course. Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, maybe. That's in, yeah. And, and I mean, maybe I guess Darnold's fine. Go ahead real quick. We got to get uh, yeah. stay in your lane. James says, uh, do you think they need to monitor Fournette's carries on the fumble? He looked like he was very tired. Yeah, some people noted that, and I think he was, and probably a little fatigued, and that might have something to do with the lack of plays in the preseason. Also, it was 140 degrees out there yeah. on the field, but yeah, they've got to be a little careful of that. They don't want to grind him into the ground the first month of the season because they have to ride him all year long, yep. uh, but you also got to get some W's, so the yep. more you can do that, the, the better. Go ahead. Uh, send your lane real quick. Real quick. Who's heading? End scene. End scene. Okay, thank you. <laughs> End scene. This is, this is the Minshew moment. Okay, so real quick, uh, so Ben, we, we talked about the, the the kid from Tallahassee who's yeah. a Tennessee fan, made his own T-shirt, got bullied about it. Tennessee took notice, started selling those shirts in the pro shop. Well, the story just keeps getting better and better. Now the kid uh, was offered a, a scholarship uh, as part of the 2032 class That's to attend awesome. the University of Tennessee. Way to take advantage so of that cool. moment, Tennessee, yeah. and doing the right thing, yeah. but I still, still think it's cool. No, absolutely. So let's give you a note to my son where if my son gets my jeans and gets bad grades like I did in high school, doesn't play football at least we can make t-shirts now and maybe university can there keep you track go. of that go ronin let's go go ronin yeah let's make some t-shirts dude your brakes. pump your brakes real quick and i just deleted my pump your brakes but it's okay because i can remember it uh so a fan uh threw a beer at a tennessee titans player in yeah, cleveland I heard about it. and uh They're complaining to the nfl yeah so unfortunately the guy the the you know was accused and everything got banned from the stadium for life only problem is is that this guy uh, wasn't actually at the game. Hasn't been to a game it's in 10 years. Fan. They got the wrong fan. The guy hasn't been there in 10 years. Hey, Cleveland Browns, not only improve your secondary, but also step your game up in terms of identifying people in the stands. They got the wrong guy of the dog pound. Yes. All right. We're going to Mellow Mushroom in Avondale. DJ Jerk, Calais Campbell, Jaguars All Access coming up on CBS 47. Minshew Mania done for the day, but every kid in Jacksonville's wearing this for Halloween, right? Oh, yeah. Winshu, baby. Just Winshu. Did we, did we trademark that? Winshu? Winshu, let's do it. Swagger and Winshu. Okay, let's do it. Have a good night, everybody. Sounds like money. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.